I spent some time listening back to this one because I wasn't sure what to call it. And I settled on sharing knowledge and exploring ideas because the amount of information we cover in this one didn't lend it to an individual title. And it really was sharing knowledge and exploring ideas. And Jock's work is very fascinating. He's onto something, something that needs to be seen and thought about and understood better. I really enjoy sitting down with Jock. It's always such a fun and wide-ranging conversation. And this one goes for a while, so I'm going to shut up and keep moving. At the end of this one, we do plug our Patreon accounts. I haven't gone in and reactivated mine. However, I'll let everyone know when I do that. I've had a number of listeners reach out to me in the last little while, and that is so awesome. And they've asked me about merch and a few other bits and pieces. And that is something that will be on the way shortly. I had to settle on the logo. Had to settle on a few design choices. However, it is coming. I've also got some interesting ideas as to mix up the the merch and bits and pieces that is for sale so you guys can support the podcast and help us with our field trips. I don't have too much more. Obviously, Rowdy will lead us in and send us out again. Again, if anyone knows any musicians that would love a free plug that have some unique original music that I can chuck with the podcast to keep me out of this off the census radar that'd be really cool so make sure you reach out unlocking the code nine at gmail.com facebook or instagram i'd love to showcase some of the awesome talent that i know is out there remember to give us a like give us a follow and a review on any of the apps that you download the podcast on that does help us thanks very much guys look after yourselves stay safe be kind be cool and we'll talk soon cheers
G'day everyone, welcome back. It's my great pleasure to have Jock Doubleday back on the podcast all the way from Texas, mate. How are you going? Doing very well, Triffin. How are you doing? And not too bad. Battling on, I suppose, is, is how I would put it. We've just had a bit of an extended discussion before we hit the record button about where we wanted to go this time. We have a, we have a loose topic. However, after, you know, we've been communicating off the mic since our last conversation, got to know each other a little bit better. And I think there's some darkness around at the moment, mate. There's some darkness that's been clouding us, you know, the old beer virus, the old coronavirus. It's been a bit interesting. However, it was prior to that as well. And I think it is affecting people on a day-to-day level still to this day, even if we're pretending or trying to pretend to get back to normal, whatever that may mean. Uh, I'd love to hear your perspective from the US side of things. Obviously, you're in Texas. Texas is a lot freer than the other states around you. However, from an observational point of view, it seems there's a a fair amount of chaos going on in your your home country, mate. Well, I think there's a split, and it's really, really clear now, uh, between the people who are fear-driven and the people who simply won't submit to fear. And so um, I've I, you know, I, I never could submit to fear. I just, in fact, when I was a kid, I remember when I was probably only six years old or something, I didn't understand why people were so afraid of everything. And, and I've never understood this. I mean, literally there's people, there are people that I've met throughout my life uh, and most of my life's been spent in the United States who are so driven by fear that they fear everything. I mean, they just, they're, they're walking on eggshells all the time. They're into defensive mode. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never in a defensive mode. Uh, when I, when I got into the world, I feel like I, I want to, I want to smile at people. I want to see how they're doing. I want to have a fun conversation. Mm. And so I, I feel like there's right now the, when this, this uh, invented virus uh, is ramping up the fear levels all around the world um, because people don't know how to do research, then uh, f- the, the split in humanity is even more clear they're, they're, because they're afraid of something that's invisible and they can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Except maybe if they wear a mask, maybe it'll slow the spread. But mm-hmm. the viruses are still there. So you better watch out. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So I think it's this, this split is really, really clear now. And it's like, you know, I'm just watching the show. Mm. Yeah, look, that's, that's a really good point. I've always thought, Jock, that... You know, obviously prior to the last 12 to 18 months, however, 9-11 was a really when the fear-generated society was thrown into high gear. You know, if I remember being growing up in the 80s and the early 90s, we used to knew we knew our neighbours, you know, we, we'd, we'd have barbecues in the street, we'd, you know, like everybody, all that sort of stuff, you know. And then post 9-11, the fear-generated society was created, and I think that observationally, a lot of that that thing that 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 type of fear had lost its control, basically, and it became second nature. And then, so now we have this invented thing that is fueling that fear. And look, I will admit, uh, only because I have small children and stuff like that that initially when this thing kicked off last year, we didn't quite know what it was, right? right. So there, was, there was an initial fear response, 
um, in response to, you know, what am I going to do, look after my family, that sort of stuff, which I think is quite natural. However, it became quite clear that it, it's bullshit, right, and it smelled like bullshit from the start. And the ongoing control or attempt at control, I mean, we've got we've got our authorities over here begging us to take the vaccination. Um, we're, we're, we're hearing over there that you guys have been given lottery tickets and all sorts of stuff to take the vaccination. Like, I mean, it, it is it is beyond the pale of ridiculousness. And I think that what it has done for those that were aware or awake, I do think, and I hate, and we're not going to say woke, Jock, okay? We're not, that's not what I'm going to do that, right? Um, but those that have become more aware, I think more people have, have, have woken up, um, not using that term, the, the, the modern term, but literally woken up in the last 12 to 18 months because it's been quite clear that a lot of it is, is, is bullshit. Um, right. And I think that's a really good thing. I suppose my concern is, is, that, is it enough to turn the tide? Um, is it enough? Is there, is there still going to be an, enough people marching lockstep down the street? Uh, have we got enough soldiers on our side, I suppose, and is, is, is the question. Well, speaking of soldiers, uh, I think that um, the Alliance, which is 17 Western nations, um, the military insiders from 17 Western nations, uh, from my research, this alliance, which has been in, in uh, existence for about 50 years to literally take down the fear system um, and uh, bid it goodbye forever on planet Earth. Mm. This alliance is working behind the scenes and it's not about really what the civilians are doing. We can do our part with local elections or whatever, but uh, or with just our personal ha habits and our, our attitudes, you know. Um, but the, behind the scenes, the, the powers that be uh, are are duking it out, and guess what? Guess who's winning? Humanity's winning, and mm -hmm. the, the alliance is working for humanity, and the alliance. Mm -hmm. um, knew they had to be a secret organization because the people behind the dark forces of fear are a secret organization. And they, so you can't, you can't fight a secret organization with a public organization. You have to, you have to go secret. So what we see in the newspapers and, you know, in the media is just the stage set for, for really, really great stuff going on behind the scenes. And, and we're winning so hard right now. I have zero worry about the future it's just that you know in this small transition period months maybe a year maybe two years whatever it's going to be a little bit chaotic so i think that if, if people do some research into the alliance um and into the <clears throat> should i go into the dumbs the, the deep underground military bases being taken back by the alliance a lot of bad things have been happening in these these tunnels that the the dark forces have created for themselves over time and they do these genetic uh experiments in them and really really horrific things that i don't want to go into no. so the alliance has take the alliance is taking back most of those tunnels around the world and a lot of these lockdowns around the world are actually driven by the alliance the good guys the white hats to keep the civilian populace safe while they go into the dumbs 
take reclaim them, uh, free the people who are uh, enslaved down there, uh, and bring humanity back to a good um, goodwill kind of place. So mm. I think we, we should all be optimistic. Look, I, 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 suppose, I am optimistic, mate. I, I, I do live in hope, and I think I live in hope because of the, because of the recognition that in the, every level of government, every level of any organisation that has basically now been proved to be bullshit, okay? Most people, even general workaday people, can see that now, all right? I suppose the, con- the concern is, is are they going to try and make us throw bullets at China before the end? That's, that's one of my main concerns, especially down here. Um, we don't have to... We don't have to do that. However, they're going to probably try and make us do that. I, I, I do. It's some concerning things happening on this side of the world with that. However, look, we have to. There is so much good stuff. There is, there is, and you can't live in fear. You can't live in fear, especially of something that's invisible. Um, right. And you know, if I think about me and you, Jock, you know, like we become really good mates over the last little while. And we just met each other through Instagram. There are people like us, and it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't just because we speak the same language, does there's people like us all over the planet. Like we, we just want the same things. We just want everyone to be cool. We just want to try and unravel the mysteries that have been put before us and mm-hmm. and spread the love. You know, like that that's the reality of what I'm trying right. to do here with the podcast. I know that's you know a lot of your stuff. You're just trying to make people aware and awake and yeah, and, and embrace the full side of themselves and just to, to step away from that fear, you know? Right. Well, as I grew up as a kid, whenever I'd find out something new that was really cool, uh, you know, and, and as an adult, I, I looked at it as finding out uh, the truth uh, that was the sort of the obverse of the myth that was given us. In other words, we're taught all these lies and so when we when I when when I found out that oh it was really not like that then I would share immediately want to share with all my friends this this great news mm. you know because mm-hmm. I was so excited about it and I think that's a general that's generally a common human impulse mm. to share your excitement about what you find out and so that's why we're here today I think at least that's why I'm here because I'm excited about all the stuff that I've been researching for years mm. and that is is it's, it's all new to me and every single day is an awakening for me I mean I always find out something new that blows my mind every single day and it's been that way for years and years and years so I'm excited to be here to share the information you know well mate me too and then and you know the, the reason I got in touch with you is I looked at your stuff and I found it exciting I think there's something we need to we need to touch on there within that though, is that one of the human conditions that we seem to be suffering from at the moment is we we, we must take sides, okay? We must <laughs> put put all our stuff in in certain belief systems, right? We're we're very much alike, John. When I find out something new, even if it contradicts a belief system that I've had, I think that's fantastic. I think that's excellent. I think oh wow, okay. Now I have more evidence to support something. Yeah, okay, I was, I was looking at something the wrong way previously, but I'm not going to – now I'm not, I'm not going to put my blinders on now because right. something's been presented to me that gives me another perspective. I'm going to embrace that new perspective and I'm going to, I'm going to go, wow, that is really cool. And, you know, <laughs> discovery 
and not tying yourself to ideas and being open-minded, right? I think, you know, when, you, when these people are in a survival state, when they're in a fear state, they are closed off, they are closed-minded and right. they're not open to ideas, okay? You know, you talk about like the, the bulk of the stuff that me and you research, you know, I know you do a lot of consciousness stuff as well, but you're into the, the, the terraforming and, and the ancients and all this sort of stuff. This is all fascinating new research, right? That's and it, and in some of it contradicts some of the stuff that I that I know, but that's interesting to me. You know, I, I when we actually talked about what we're going to talk about as far as the larger topic for today, I said we might disagree. How cool is that? Because that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, if, it would be amazing if we actually agreed on everything. Uh, where are you going to find two people that agree on everything? It's just a question of having a conversation and, and present, and in a scientific conversation, pre- presenting evidence. So, mm. you know, I, I, I have tons of evidence to present, and people can say, "Oh, well, you could, this can be interpreted in a different way than, than you're interpreting it," and that's that's fine. That's a scientific conversation. Mm. That's great. I mean, mm. I'm just I'm just going to put some evidence out there. You'll bring your evidence. You'll bring your knowledge, and we'll just have a conversation. I mean. That's that's good, and it, but that's but isn't that the, isn't that the beautiful thing? You know, I think, and people really need to think about that. They need to think about. I, I will go out of my way, Jock, to look at things that I disagree with, in order to gain that perspective. Because if you don't, right. how can you have a complete understanding of any idea if you do not look at going outside of your own box? Okay. Especially when we've been given these amazing tools. I think we, we brushed upon our last conversation about the internet and social media and all these sorts of things. These things are amazing. Now, you could spend your time getting confirmation bias that you think we're on the back of a turtle floating through an ocean of stars, right? Or right, right. you could look at multiple different perspectives, figure out what makes sense to you and run with that. But always right. be open to different ideas and always be open right. to different perspectives, you know. And I think choosing sides and, you know, this, you know, what you, you know, you guys red and blue and, look, we've got all the same crap down here. It's just a different colour, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not helpful to anybody it's, it, because we're all human, Jock. You know, I've, I've taught 5,000-plus students over the last five or six years from every country on the planet, every colour of the rainbow, every religion, every culture. Do you know what I've found, mate? I've found that everybody is just human at the end of the day. That's right. that's it. That's it, you know? Well, when I went to the uh, Bosnian Pyramid Complex in 2011, it was because that summer I'd been on Facebook, you know, floating around and just looking at stuff because I really, I like to learn, so I'm, I'm always trying to learn something. And... Uh, I saw this post on something called the Bosnian pyramids and I was like, okay, that sounds crazy. So that was my initial reaction. That mm-hmm. sounds crazy. Yeah. Because why would there be pyramids there? Because everybody knows the pyramids are just in Egypt and Central America and South America. And that's yeah. pretty much it. That's so it. that was my, that was my knowledge. That was my understanding. That was my tiny little uh, part of a pixel of, of, of information of the TV screen. So uh, <laughs> uh, to bring your metaphor back. Yes, in. it's a good and, one. Um, yeah. So uh, I took my little pixel and I, I was, I was going to comment back to the guy and I was going to say, you know, this sounds crazy. But instead of doing that, 
I did what um, generally I do, which is I went to do some research because mm-hmm. I thought, well, instead of just saying you sound crazy, Bosnian pyramids, dude, um, I'll say you sound, this sounds crazy. And the reason it sounds crazy is this reason, this scientific reason, this scientific reason, and this scientific reason. So I went to find out why there were no pyramids in Bosnia. So I could tell the guy, and then he'd know not to spread craziness. <laughs> I went to find out about so, so so I went to find out about the Bosnia pyramids. I found Semir Osmanagic in a two-hour long interview, which is probably how long this thing is probably going to go today. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, we got a lot of stuff to talk about forever. We do, yeah. I mean, both of us have a lot of things. Yeah. So um, and he he just went through the data. He wasn't. He wasn't like trying to entertain us. He wasn't trying to prove anything. He was just going, here's the data, northern orientation, best orientation of any pyramids north side on the planet. Uh, it's 12 times better than the, the pyramid on the Great Pyramid on the Giza Plateau. It's incredibly precise. Um, uh, the different sides of the structures, um, the tumuli, the round cone shape with the inclined layers. He just went on and on and on. I was like, oh, my God. There's a there's some there's an ancient complex in Bosnia. So I didn't go back and say, hey, you dude, you're crazy. I went to Bosnia and I spent 23 months in Bosnia over the next several years. You know, there you go. There you go. But your initial reaction was that's nuts. You're nuts that, you know, like this is the. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could have you could have and you could have stayed with that too, Joe. You know, you could have just said, oh, well, you know, whatever. And but you didn't. You, you remained open, you did your research, and you found something amazing. And this is the, and it's changed your life, hasn't it? You know, having that open mind. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, you know, yes. You know, if you, you know, we're, that's 10 years now, if you think about that, right? So 10 years ago, you yep. went down a rabbit hole that you still haven't emerged yep. from, you know? I know, and, man. I mean, because I didn't, I didn't know much about ancient history at all. And, and or I had an interest in it, like most people probably have an in, intuitive interest in knowing what went on in the, in the distant past. But um, I had and read some books on pyramids, but it was kind of like, oh, that's a book on a pyramid. And, and, you know, there's people who know about that stuff. Mm. And I'll just then I'm when I'm done reading the book, then I go back to my life. But now it's like ancient history has kind of become a lot, a lot of, a big part of my life. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Boston pyramids was key. And it was because that's that guy who took the, he had the heart and the will and the courage to share something that might sound crazy to me Mm -hmm. and about everybody else on the planet. Mm -hmm. And he inspired me to go do some research. Mm -hmm. So he inspired me. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. That's why we're on the planet is to inspire each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Spot on, mate. Spot on. Is that, you know, I'll be honest, is that after our last conversation and all that sort of stuff, I've gone back and looked at all my field pictures through your lens because it's like, hang on a minute, if Jock's seen some of this stuff in the, in the landscape, what have, I, what have I taken a picture of that I haven't seen before, you know? And I know that some of the perspectives that we, I've shared with you, you've gone, hey, wow, that's a different perspective, and that we've helped right. each other with our own research, even though it's completely separate. But same mm-hmm. at the same time, I think the key here is just to remain open-minded. And I think one of the the um, one of the sayings I thought about b- before was that the night is always darkest before the dawn. You know, and I think mm-hmm. we may be in a in 
in some of the darkest places that we've been. However, those that are here now, and look, we could get into some, into some metaphysical stuff. We won't probably do that today. Maybe we'll save that for next time. But I think we're all here today for a reason, okay? Me and you are here today for a reason. Me and you have connected for some reason, whether it just be mm-hmm. so I can share your information, you can share my information. We are here to witness it. And if we remain open-minded, not only to the things that we're going to delve down today, but to all things, and remember that we all bleed red, mate. We're all just we're all on the same mm-hmm. big blue ball hurtling through space, Jock. And if we don't, yeah. if we if we can't realize that and get along and then find our way forward, look, I think it's you know, there's one of those stats that if we took one percent of the global military budget that we spend, that every country spends on whatever, trying to pretend that they're not going to come and take our gold, right, which is at the end of the day what's what it is, if we took 1%, we'd already have bases on the moon. We'd already have bases on Mars that people know mm-hmm. about. You know, like that, we would already be in the cosmos. We would already have explored our oceans. We, we, if we took 1% of the global resources and did something like that, we, it, it'd be mm-hmm. the world would be a completely different place, you know. And I think mm-hmm. it's also it's also the functions of society, Jock. I think we, we've we've allowed um, narcissistic, sociopathic psychopaths to rule the world for the last little while. Okay, you know, if, if we were in a tribal situation, Jock. So me and you're in a tribe, which is where we actually come from, and well, we probably are sort of in a tribe already globally. But if we we're in a tribe on a, in, in a jungle somewhere and one of the guys comes out and says, right, I'm now the boss of everyone, okay? Yeah. I'm now the boss of everyone and I want the biggest hut. Now, I want I want a hut that's bigger than everyone else's hut. It's got to be three stories, right? All the shiny rocks everywhere, they're all mine now, right? If that happened in a tribal situation, do you know what happened to that bloke? That bloke would be taken for a walk and he'd accidentally fall off a cliff with three arrows in his back. That's what would happen. Yep. You know? And we can actually, we can realise that those of us that are, are good and those of us that are, are true to ourselves and each other, we far outweigh everybody else. And if we could just realise yep. that at once, we can move forward as one. I do believe that. Yeah, I think the majority are, are just... Uh just regular old people, like you said, who want to take care of their families and uh, want to have a nice, uh, nice beer at the end of the day, uh, or a nice kombucha, and yep. uh, you know, or maybe some cacao. Uh, that's how I keep my brain going for these podcasts uh, and radio interviews. Is cacao's good, man? Cacao powder. Yeah, we've got. <laughs> uh, I've actually we've got a, a place down here uh, in northern New South Wales. They make a, a turmeric. Uh, was it turmeric and um, something else? My wife will, I don't know what it is, but turmeric and, but it's cacao powder and it's delicious. Yeah, it's yeah. excellent. Yeah, really yeah. good stuff. Um, well, mate, how about we move on? How about we move on? Yeah. Okay. What I wanted to do is because I've got some thoughts about your work. I've got some thoughts about how old I think it is. And I've got some thoughts, and I know you've got a lot of thoughts about that too. But because we're on the on a Zoom session, I and mean, we'll do our best to make the audio version just as good, but I wanted to do this. So I've got a telescope that I can plug my camera into, my DSLR. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm just going to share screen here for a second. 
Okay. Um, I'm just going to share screen here for a second. Where is that? Why is that not doing that? Hang on a second. There we go. Do that. And I go like this. See, we, we were supposed to be better at this this time, Jock, weren't we? But we're not. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, you were. You, I think you were always good at it. You were always good. I, I was terrible at the share screen. So, okay, right, mate. Can you share that there, bud? Yeah, so what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what we've got here, everyone, just for those listening at home, is I, I took a photo of the middle star of Orion's belt. Okay. So that there's the middle star of Orion's belt you see there at the top there, Jock, and that's one of the other stars down below there. Okay. Um, so this one here, this one we called the we called the mystery star because I wasn't quite sure what it is. That's this one here, right? But what I want to do, and those those listening home, you need to jump on the Zoom session for this one. But I'm just going to expand that, right? So that's a single star that we can see. One of the things that opened my mind and always that I always come back to is if I go like this, every single one of those tiny little thousands of dots that is on that screen right now is a star. And that's just in our galaxy, man. You know what I mean? We only see stars that are in our galaxy. Like we are on, the, on, on a galactic scale we are a piece of dust on a piece of dust on the eyelash of the universe, right? Like that. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure we have that perspective. Now, in saying that, I think at last count now, they're saying that it's about 200 billion planets, and that's billion with a B, planets that are in the Goldilocks zone uh, in our galaxy alone, okay? So that means that there's, you know, Let's, let's cut it in. Let's do 1% of that. So 200 million, okay, of 200 million planets that may have some sort of life that are in the Goldilocks zone similar to us. Now, I the last podcast we did was actually about um, the UFO stuff that's been going on recently, the releases and all the different bits and pieces. Um, and that's a very, there's another topic of conversation that I'm sure you've got an opinion on. However, I do think we are unique in this cosmos. However, I also think, Jock, that we are a lot older than we could ever begin to understand. I just wanted to show you that one because I knew you'd love this, right? Me and a mate were out the back of about ten, about five miles from my place, and uh, on a where they make uh, grass, you know, like lawn. They like lawn farms, and uh, we set the camera up, ten second aperture. I had 10-shot burst and honestly just hit the button and walked away. And I caught a meteorite tumbling through space just by chance. Now, that is something that can happen just by chance, you know. What are the, what are the chances that my camera focused at that point of the sky at that time, at that night, all that stuff? We caught a meteorite tumbling through space. Now, when you think about that, and the, and, the, and the chances of that, but also the technology that allowed me to do that. Then we look at some of the structures around the planet that have been left behind, these mysteries that mm -hmm. we think about. You think with your work, Jock, that this terraforming stuff, because that's some of the big thing that you're into, do you think that is a time before 
Do you think that's a time before a time before? Do you think that's older? Because obviously 70,000 years ago was the last, so obviously 13,000 was the, was the cataclysm. Another one happened 11,600 to make the sun come back out again. But 70-odd thousand years ago, we were, we were taken back, the global population was taken back to under 10,000 people, right? So what was going on prior to 70,000 years, you know? Because some of the projects and some of the stuff that you're, you're talking about, they're gigantuan. Like, they are massive. If you talk about terraforming valleys and, and some of the things you, you, you're talking about, do you, do you think that your, the, 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 your ancients, okay, so my ancients are prior to the cataclysm, okay, do you think your ancients are past that? Do you think we're dealing with, you know, like we're, we're, that's, I know that's a big question to start off with, but that was, that was, that was my first question that I thought about when, we were, when you said who are the ancients because that was the topic, ladies and gentlemen, we, we started with was who were the ancients and I was like, well, I think the megalithic ancients may be different to Jock's ancients, you know. And the, what's what's your response to to that, Bud? Well, I love those uh, star photos, and uh, <clears throat> and speaking of Orion, because you said that top star was from Orion's belt, right? Yeah, that was the middle star in Orion's belt. I was just watching today because uh, you know I've done some research on giants, human giants that lived on planet Earth, uh, many different sizes of humans mm. throughout the ancient past. And mm. um, I came upon this video that I had saved uh, by a Native American who uh, was talking about the fact that uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the, the Orion's uh, belt and the Pleiades were where the star brothers and sisters came from in the, in the Native American traditions. Um, so these giants, he, he said, um, came to earth uh, different sizes uh, from different places and um, did what they did. I'm not gonna go into the details of what he said. And I, I was even gonna maybe see if we could run the video, but then I thought, well, we don't really have permission. I don't wanna get you in trouble for doing that. So I'll just, I'm just giving you the recap of what he said, which is yeah. that every single tribe, every Native American tribe has legends of giants. They, they all say that they either came from the Pleiades or from the Orion's belt. Um, and then this takes us immediately back to the fact that um, some of these giants were so big, and I have the evidence, and I'm going to show you show you the evidence right, you know, very soon. Okay. They were so they were so big that uh, they could not have walked or even moved in today's gravity. So yeah. then we go, okay, if that if that's the case, then then how how was it that the Earth had lower gravity in the past to allow these giant humans, and by the way, giant animals. I mean, we have mm. the fossil record of T-Rex, we have the fossil record of Allosaurus, Brontosaurus, massive, massive creatures that we know today, the muscle scaling data tells us that they could not have even gotten off the ground to, mm. to, to walk mm. in today's gravity. So, so how, how was it that, that today's gravity 
was um, is so much larger than the past, the gravity in the past. Mm. So this is a really key question. So the giants, see the star picture leads us to the giants mm-hmm. from the Native American tradition. And the giants lead us to an earth that was smaller in the past. Mm. Um, and, and that's really, really a fruitful place to, to, um, to begin well, well, um, before, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm totally up to that, mate. Let's go. However, before you get there, I wanted to give you some confirmation on your research because the Australian Indigenous creation story is about the Palladians and the Orions as well. And if you start digging into that Palladian versus and Orion creation story, that actually echoes across more than just uh, North America, Australia. There's actually the basis of many, many, many ancient Indigenous cultures is the is the story that you know, the seven sisters of the Pallades got traced, chased by the brothers of Orion across the sky to mm. here in Australia, okay? Mm. That, that's basically the story that's here. Now, you would, I wouldn't be surprised to hear if it was to America in, in there. Like, there's, there's different variations there. Uh, have you heard, um, you heard of a guy called Bruce Fenton? Uh, no? I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. He, he, look, he is taking this creation story further to actually be like an alternative origin story all right there's an excellent excellent good. youtube that's good excellent youtube uh do, like doco done called 780,000 uh which was that's that sort of explained this a lot better now we have talked about this on the podcast before but for you mate just to give you the input data it so basically it's undeniable that so there's a, there's a thing called Australite tectite. Uh, if I knew we were talking about this, I've got a piece of it inside, actually. Um, but Australite tectite, now there's undeniable evidence that in 780,000 years ago there was something in low Earth orbit, okay, that basically fell out of the sky, okay? And what it did is it left all these, and the Australite tectite is basically spread across pretty much all of Australia, and then some into South Korea, and it is dated back to 780,000 years. Now, mm. Bruce had a, um, uh, an experience where he, uh, it was a psychedelic experience or a transcendent experience, where he felt that he was piloting this ship, okay, and it was like a, a crystal ship, and he was watching this larger ship crash into the earth, and this other one exploded and basically slowly crashed into the earth. Now... Mm. What, he, what he's done is, like, well, that's a bit of a crazy story, but hang on a minute. Australite tectite exists everywhere, and Australite tectite jock is, is silica-based, right? What are we trying to transmit our consciousness onto right now? Silica-based, you know, like that's what they've figured out that's the best way to communicate consciousness is actually silica or crystal, right? Um, now, there's, there's a set of stones and stuff down here called the Turinga Stones, and I actually had the privilege of sitting in the circle with those Turinga stones and had a very interesting experience. These stones spoke to me, man. They talked to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, th- that's a whole different side. However, basically, the, 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 there's more evidence for something that's large and silica-based crashing into the earth 780,000 years ago and potentially that being those having life forms on coming from that and the story is that they said they couldn't actually really exist on this planet so they took a hominid and basically created homo sapiens sapiens and look we could go into genetics of of us 
and the fact that we are actually very, very different. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we're actually not from around here uh, or that, you know, that, well, in our bones, Jock, I'm sure you would understand, there's a fair percentage of stardust that comes from somewhere else, right? There's not from here, right? And the the... When we talk about hominids, you know, when you get start to get into giants and stuff like that, that's something that us here at Unlocking the Code, we're very fascinated about because I think at last count they've got 26 different hominids, but they haven't got a full skeleton of any of them, right? They've got a jawbone, you know, they've got, a, they've got a pinky bone for a Denisovan and a bit of a jaw, right? So that's an entire different race, you know, like – but there is – if, if even if so, let's pretend for a second that they're, that they're right. They do have that they've released that they've got twenty six different hominids that have existed on this planet at one time or another. You know, you think about you talk about giants. What about Gigantopithecus? You know, there's there's still blokes in in, in the in the bush out in, in America looking for the um, for Bigfoot, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, I've got actually a mate of mine that spent the weekend the other day looking for a Yowie, which is an Australian Bigfoot, okay? So, mm-hmm. you know, these these stories of these larger hominids echo through time. And if you look at some of the um, the hieroglyphs and some of these ancient pictures on the walls and stuff, you talk about dinosaurs. Have you looked? Here's an interesting rabbit hole. Have you looked at how many different carvings there are of people riding dinosaurs? There's a lot right. of that stuff out of India, like... Mm-hmm. How old are not necessarily we? Because I think we're probably uh, a genetic modification and a and a different version potentially. Um, however, hominids or different forms of hominids have lived on this planet for who knows how long. In fact, now they don't know where humans came from because there was something found in Greece a little while ago that was. 800,000 years old. There was Homo sapiens, sapien bones found in Greece that were 800,000 years old. They found something in Turkey that was, if not as old, um, older again. There is no actual, the whole we walked out of Africa theory mm-hmm. doesn't actually hold a lot of water anymore. No. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, okay, if we didn't, if that's not true and there's 27, 26 different types and that's, we don't have a skeleton for any of them, you know, and each turn of the spade changes history, um, then where do you go from there, you know? And I think um, just to finish before you get started with your slides, because I'm very fascinated, to talk about one of the other theories that I've thought about is, you know, we've got the the, the planet as it, as it sits, right? We're hurtling through space, okay? Now, I haven't thought about size and shape differentiation, okay? So that's some interesting stuff I'm listening to you. I want to hear you talk about. But what I thought about just anyway was these rocks that come out of the sky, that they come out of the sky pretty periodically or solar flares or whatever you want to say, right? That is going to affect. So we basically came up with the basketball theory. I don't have my basketball here anymore where the cataclysm 13,000 years ago, let's pretend that it was fragments of a comet or something like that that smashed bang, bang, bang into North America that was covered in ice, right? The vibration of that through the planet is actually going to affect if, and look, let's pretend for a second that that cutout that you get in a geology book where the crust, the lava, this, 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 and the big metal ball in the middle, 
which is just a guess, by the way. They don't actually know that. That it's not that no one knows that. That's just a wild guess. But the fact that we do have magnetic fields coming in and around the Earth, if there is a molten core, that's going to chuck vibration through that core. That's going to mess with the tilt of the planet, which may mess with yeah. our orbit, which may, you know, and then if you talk about, you know, the, the Yucatan crater, that amount of mass hitting the planet, like what is that going to do? They, they, they theorise that the, the planet rang like a bell for a 1,000 years after that. But what did it do to the mass of the planet? What did it do to our orbit? What did it do to our angle? What did it do to the magnetism, the the, the positive and negative magnetism that we rely on to survive? That that you know, it, it's such a fascinating area of study. And when you start delving down into that, it makes a lot of sense because you know the the fact that it's hot along it's actually not the hottest along the equator that's got to do with the magnetism of the earth that's the magnetic field that's got to do that's what controls the weather you know um one of the other pieces of research that i'm 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 delving into as well that is is sort of is a bit original part of research is that the ice there's some other evidence suggests that the ice chases the poles so yes the ice is shrinking away from the poles because the pole is currently i think the North Pole up your end of the world is currently marching into Siberia and the South Pole is somewhere in the ocean on, you know, teeing towards the ocean on the other side of Antarctica. It's not top and bottom of the planet. And if you look where the poles are, they're getting unprecedented ice growth. And, you know, you think about some of the, the snowstorms and the, the record-breaking cold snaps you guys have had in the north, the North Pole is moving south. You know, like this is... These things, so many things affect us, Jock. Um, but this this blue ball is four and a half billion years old, if we're to believe the science on that, okay? There's a piece of rock in Western Australia. It's the oldest piece of exposed rock on the planet. It's literally three and a half billion years old, they reckon. How much has happened on this planet? How many times have, have things happened? You know, uh, uh, one of the guys who contributes to the podcast, Angus, he said one night he has some gold every now and again because we're talking about all the different theories. And he said, what if everybody's right? It's just a matter of timing. Mm-hmm. So every theory is right. It just depends on when you're talking about well, I think there's been so many cataclysms uh, to the smaller planets, probably throughout the universe. I mean, um, so I think all the planets are, are endlessly getting bombarded by some cataclysm or other or affected. So um, I, I, there's there's anthropological uh, evidence, um, um, archaeological evidence of uh, the, another moon having been in orbit around the earth and then mm-hmm. uh, it was a smaller moon. So there's this um, calendar gate in Bolivia. Uh, it's just that big uh, concrete structure that's cracked a little bit uh, in the middle. And there's all these uh, the pictographs around it or petroglyphs, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, that show us that there's a, it's a calendar system and it talks about how, how the smaller moon went a lot faster around. It was closer to us. 
And so um, then between 11 and 13,000 years ago, a larger moon was brought here by two brothers who rolled it across the earth. That's the Zuni legend. Um, and so this moon might have been the cause of this uh, astonishing cataclysm that uh, you're talking about. And it might have caused, you know, all sorts of things to fall into our um, into into our atmosphere and, and to hit the earth. Or it might have just been the moon itself causing gravitational uh, and electromagnetic um, changes yeah. that wrought havoc across mm. the earth. And mm. that probably two mile high tsunamis and earthquakes and endless volcanoes, the, the usual. <laughs> the usual, yeah. So, so that's a possibility. If people want to check out my two articles, I've got two articles called Waiting for the Hollow Moon. Go, go find those. Um, it lists all, it gives you all the data. You can follow the data. You know, you don't have to worry about Jack Double A being sane or insane. You can just go follow that data from those articles. It's all linked. Then um, <clears throat> we've got the inner earth, which is because because there is no molten core, according to science. Um, science um, is, is a really great thing. And the universities often ignore their own science and just go with speculation and guesswork. And, well, we've been told this, so we're going to go with that. There's yeah. a molten core. Well, that's that's like you said, that's just a theory. Mm. And, but the evidence tells us that there is no molten core. And there's various lines of reasoning, and people can check out my article called Shielding, uh, on, which posits that the ancients layered the earth with alternating hard and soft layers across the continents to protect inner earth civilizations, advanced races, as you would put a roof up on your house to protect your house from, you know, a branch falling on, into your living room. You want a roof. So that's what they did. They made, they made it a strong structure around their home, which was the inside. And mm. this inner earth houses things more than humans. It houses, it can, it can have housed and may, might still house dinosaurs. So the dinosaurs that, that died on the surface, because the surface is a dangerous place, cosmic rays, Asteroid bombardments, global flooding, global drought, the list goes on. When the dinosaurs died out from, 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 from presumably from the asteroid impact 65 million years ago, those larger animals might have still survived in the inner earth and they might still be in a zoo down there controlled by, by humans or whoever's down there. Mm. So they might, have, they might still come out and then you see guys riding dinosaurs and you're uh, pictured in South America, uh, endlessly pictured in South America. And you're saying in India too, people mm. riding dinosaurs. It's like, well, they might still be in the inner earth and they come mm. out periodically. And, and that's another influence. You're talking about all these influences that we have you know, um, cosmically, but there's also the influences of the, the organisms that are coming in or going back into, coming out or going back into the inner earth. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if people want to go with me on the inner earth hypothesis, but there's so much evidence that we have a either a hollow or a honeycombed earth. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's different people talking about one, one saying it's hollow and it's just, you know, one large space. And there's others saying, no, it's honeycombed. It's probably both. There's probably a large space in there for civilizations to live in. And then there's honeycombed. It's probably honeycombed throughout the levels. In other words, uh, there's different organisms living at different levels doing their own thing. Well, look, but, look uh, my, it's interesting. Ahead, yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting, man. Look, that that stuff's interesting. One of the the, the term that is 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 running around in my head a lot recently is ultra terrestrial as opposed to extraterrestrial, right? That you know, the majority of this, uh, well, it's not new UFO evidence, but majority of this uh, um, UAP evidence, as they're saying now, that's coming out now. It's all been seen before, but it seems to be getting a wider audience now. Uh, <coughs> probably really thanks to Joe Rogan, to be honest. However, it these things always enter into the ocean, okay? They come out from the ocean, they enter back into the ocean. You know, one of the theories that we talked about in the last podcast was it would be a good place to hide. Like say you were a race that lived on this planet, you hang around here long enough to realise that there is all these cataclysms. Like you say, droughts, volcanoes, never ends, floods, cyclones, Hurricanes, tornadoes, like it never ends, right? If you if you were smart enough, you'd be like, well, it's probably better to live underground, you know, like there's enough room to live underground. And they keep finding these massive caves, you know, that these massive biocultures that exist under the planet that, you know, they're deep, deep under the planet, and then you come out and it's it's water and green and it's like how does this happen? But they keep finding those, you know. There's been a couple of massive ones. I know there was one in Vietnam found a little while ago that was unbelievable, you know. It was just some guy looking at the hill on the other side of the valley yeah. and it was yeah. it was like it was just a small hole, like a four-foot, five-foot yeah. hole, goes in yeah. there and you could you could put a million people in there and it's it was completely self-sustaining, you know. Like we have no idea, Jock. And, look, I... We talked about being open-minded before. I know that if you had came to 21-year-old me and said, hey, there's beings living under the earth and, you know, they're flying tic-tac-shaped craft and they're diving into the ocean, I probably would have entertained you, but I really would have thought you were crazy. Right. The prob- but the problem with – well, it's not the problem, but the thing about that line of evidence now, John, is that it is growing. It's not unsubstantial. It's just that we have the, the narrative that we have existed under basically post-World War II and probably prior to that as well, probably the last couple of hundred years, has been so well controlled and so mm-hmm. well dialed that our belief systems have been shaped to, to not think about this stuff. However, the reality is is that these UAPs that are basically faster and better and than anything we've got, they are entering into the ocean. They are entering into, you know, there's one, there's a, the, the, the clip I talked about last podcast was there's this guy flying his drone in a canyon somewhere, I think it might have been in the US somewhere, and this little tic-tac-shaped craft comes out of the, just comes across the screen and just flies straight into a cliff, disappears, right? And <laughs> and he's, he's on the videos like, listen, this is not staged, I was just flying my drone. I was, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, there was nothing. This is just, I just put this up. This is what happened, you know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, this this is happening more, with these these lines of evidence happen more and more, you know? Um, and, yeah, living on the surface is not a, bad, is not a good idea. We've talked in, in, on the podcast before about the tunnel complexes. Theoretically, there's a tunnel complex that goes from the Mediterranean all the way to Europe, Right. You talk about um, uh, North American Indian stuff. There was a line of stuff where th- that the uh, the people from the underground knew the cataclysm was coming. They came and got the people that were above ground, 
looked after them until the cataclysm was finished, and then they they sent them back up and they gave them a bit of a hand and sent them on their way. Like, why do we always have to? These stories are always labelled as myth. What if it's not myth? What if they're just telling the story? You know, like this is, you know, what if these weird cave paintings of giants and 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 you know people riding dinosaurs and all this sort of stuff? This isn't someone just messing around. Mm-hmm. They they're actually telling us. There's the reason they carved it into stone is to tell us something. That's that's what I would like to believe. Well, these oral legends uh, that the Native Americans have uh, were essentially carving into the stone of the mind. You know, these legends are carved beautifully and precisely by the by the elders to remember the history because they didn't they weren't writing things down. So they 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 told the story that they knew and Mm. they're not going to make up a story. They're going to tell the story that's real because that's 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 what you want. You want to you want your tribe to survive and do well. And the only way Mm -hmm. to do that is if you have stories about things that are real. Mm. So the Hopi the Hopi Indians um, uh, were taken care of by what they call the ant people. They mm. were taken down to this crack, the really deep crack near, uh, near or next to the Grand Canyon and the, where the ant people lived. And they took them down there before the cataclysm because they knew the cataclysm was coming somehow. And like you say, they took care of them. And then uh, that's that's their legend. It's a super important story to them. It's probably the most important story to the Hopi Indians, because, mm. I mean, uh, how, how awesome is it that you would meet uh, uh, another race of beings that's going to give you advance warning about something that actually happens? How would they even know? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to take care of you. They're, they're a completely different race and they're going to take care of you until it's the cataclysm is over. And then they're going to send you back. Mm-hmm. They're completely benevolent. Mm-hmm. So of course they're going to, they're going to etch that into the stone of their minds. Absolutely. Forever. Absolutely. You of know? course they are. Like, yeah, I think, um, as I say, the, the, the hubris of the modern man is is almost unbelievable um, right. to pretend to pretend that these, you know, that's a sort of that. I mean, if you think about that, that's such a fantastic story. Why would you make it up? That's such an awesome <laughs> story. You know, like that's such an awesome story. You know, why would you do that? Um, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting. Well, mate, listen, I want to I want to see some giant stuff because this is not a rabbit hole that I've delved into. So you've got a you've got a fresh mind. So show me some of your giant stuff. I have seen bits and pieces, but I, I do want to see some of that because I think the problem is with us, Jock, is that we keep opening up multiple rabbit holes. So let's see some giant stuff and we'll okay, go from okay. there. All right. I got to prepare um, y'all, you y'all. and all of your listeners you and your uh, and your uh, viewers, um, with uh, two, two folders of, of fo- photos. The first folder is going to be just a few terraforming things. And then the second folder is going to be expanding earth stuff that gives us a basic basis for the giants to have existed. So that we, okay. the, so we don't just throw giants at people. I'm just, so I'm going to share screen. Yep. Uh, I have a, dr- I have a dread of sharing screen from, <laughs> from, from, from prior experience uh, because I'm so terrible at sharing it and then going off and searching on my computer for weird stuff. And and it just takes forever. So I'm going to share screen. Okay. I'm going to, I've got my photos up. Everything's planned. Okay. It's all right here. It's all there. I'm going to, 
And now I'm going to share screen. I just got to find the little button. You've been practicing. Is. You've been um, practicing. Let's see. Host disabled participant screen share. Oh, oh hang wait, on, so hang on. That's me, Mike. That's me. Sorry, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. That's that's me. That's me. Hang on. See, look at that. Don't we're, worry. We're, uh, we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. I'll take a drink. <laughs> yeah, take a drink. Take a drink. Uh, we, listen, it's only the people on the video that get this, mate. I'll I'll, I'll get I'll. On the audio version, I'll get rid of this. <laughs> uh, where are we? Why can't I? Ah, multiple participants can share simultaneously. There we go. Zero mistakes, Jock. Zero mistakes. <laughs> All righty. All righty. Boom. All there we go. Now. Okay. I'm so we got Ref Reflection Canyon, Utah. <clears throat> So let's go back to the first one. Okay, now I just want to let people know that uh, there's this new theory that I came up with from being in the Bosnian Pyramid Complex for 23 months and seeing that the, the building of the ancients, which is very clear in the Bosnian Pyramid Complex, alternating hard baked claystone with earthquake mitigating softer clay layers, and it just mm. up, up, up making a pyramid out of that, making a hill out of that, making a tumulus out of that. Mm. All that building never ends. So I've been, I've been miles and miles and miles outside the complex, exploring on my own, trying to find where that specific kind of building ends. It doesn't end. And then I went to Serbia and I found similar kind of building. Then I went to Croatia, similar kind of building in all in the Balkans there. Then I went to South Africa with Michael Tellinger for a month. And because they wanted me to shoot some videos with him, he's really good friends with Dr. Sam Wasmanigich, who discovered the Bosnian pyramids. So Michael Tellinger, who, by the way, wrote Slave Species of God, right? Yeah. Which is talking about the genetic engineering of the human race. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so, so he, I was like, yeah, I'm excited to go down and shoot some videos with you. So I hope your audience will check out a playlist on my personal channel on youtube jock double the channel that and the playlist is called um uh michael tellinger and yeah. the first video is called uh adam's calendar you got to see that video it's so amazing what 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 they found out down there so anyway i'm i want to just be clear that the terraforming that i have found what i call terraforming which is the building of hills and valleys riverbeds and basically the continents um, goes across the world. It, I've only explored three continents myself, Africa, North America, Eurasia, but it goes everywhere. And I'm just going to show you some examples. This is supposed to be sedimentary material, but there's here's this vertical seam in the middle here. Yeah, there's I can see that. And there's another section seam here. Mm. And you go, well, it is super strong. It's integral. It's not a crack. It's not breaking apart. Mm. So a geology would call this a crack, a fracture, but they're not breaking anything apart. Now, I just want to go to the next uh, slide and to show you the similarity of these two things. So we have this vertical cut on the outer edge of this water course. And here's another vertical cut on the outer edge as the water is going around. And then on the inside, it's kind of nice and low and flat. And here it is nice and low and flat over here. So it, there's a similarity. The scale is much, much, much different. 
yeah. a huge river, Colorado River on the right, but um, mm-hmm. it's exactly the same building. Now, I call this building and people say, well, that's just crazy. But let's just keep looking at what we see. Um, and look, I will say, I will say, Jock, that you're, I think one of the um, the key pieces of, of evidence that really gets me with your stuff is these cracks, these these identified layers that you've seen that uh, are there to the naked eye. Like it's not exactly like you can deny that they're there. They, they're there. You know, like I think that's – and, again, explained away very simply by the – school you know the 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 doctrine the narrative however right how can you not how can you not question that you know what i mean well once we once we go out into the field uh what i find in real time on video and what i'm showing people uh who happen to come upon my videos is that when once we actually look at the material really close up we start to see things that go against the dogma and the dogma is everything that's vertical is going to be a crack or a fracture and that every line and then everything else is either sedimentary layers or it's molten or some version of molten material mm. in which case you'd never you would never have sections that were mm. regular sections and molten material and you and if it was sedimentary you're not going to have regular sections in sedimentary material, you'll have regular layers that are horizontal, but you're not going to have regular vertical lines mm. unless there was some kind of jagged crack, but that's not what we're finding. So what we're finding in the field contradicts the geological precepts. Now here we have this thing called Half Dome in Yosemite Valley, California. And this is, um, and if you look at this little article title on the right, on the very bottom, uh, you find um, <clears throat> that it says formation of igneous layering. In other words, they're trying to explain why there's layers in igneous rock. This is supposed to be igneous rock. This whole massive peak called Half Dome is supposed to be completely igneous. So one That's piece. Mol- one piece. That's molten. Yeah. Well, mm. you would expect it to be essentially joined in some way or other. Mm. And if it's not joined, it would be, maybe there'd be some cracks that would be sort of the random cracks through it, but this is layered in a really specific way. Mm. And they're, they're, they're not adhered. Uh, at least if they are adhered, it's only slightly and they, they break out in, 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 in horizontal layers. You can see these pieces breaking out. Yeah. So, so these layers are trying to be explained in this article. How, how does igneous rock form layers? Well, it's just, it's it's like to me it's like a clown show and i i don't mean to, uh to disparage uh academia but i must <laughs> it's it's a, it's a clown show because you you can't explain igneous rock layering itself period yeah. okay? okay so let's go to the so then you go well i wonder maybe maybe there's some other explanation for igneous rock having layers maybe it's not maybe it's not igneous rock so um, we have Australia, yeah, land of land of the original people on the right, yeah. yeah, and we have Monument Valley, Utah on the left. This is iron rich rock, yeah, and it's the same type of material and the same type of layering, and it's very odd because it's vertical. Mm. If it were sedimentary, 
then somehow it's you been think it'd be horizontal. Yeah, it's vertical. Yeah. You think it'd be horizontal, or somehow, but if there's upheaval, then it's a little bit. Yeah, off you think you think it'd be it can be angled or horizontal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have this up, interesting. Yeah. We have this interesting sort of uh, comparison, and then echoing this, we we have Mount Kailash. And you can see the layers that are perfectly horizontal in Mount Kailash, and yep. then a strong straight set, uh, section seam. Yeah. And you go, okay, if the plate tectonics theory is correct, then mountains mm -hmm. are formed by plates crashing into each other. Yes. One yep. subducts and the mountains come up. Yep. If, if it was really the case that plate tectonics were true, you'd have this incredible jumble of material as these. As the, as the continental plates smashed into each other and one was kind of going down and one was coming up, it wouldn't yeah. be that you would find every dang mountain horizontal layered. You mm. just wouldn't find that. But That's most true. mountains are either horizontally layered or slightly off like this. And, and usually what they are is they're inclined into the face. So as, I'm fa as I face the, the mountain, I'll see an inclination. Yeah. And as I face this side, I'll see an inclination. And as I face this side. So it's like somehow nature is, ge geologists telling us that somehow nature is inclining all of its layers, no matter which way you face the mountain. Or it's horizontal like this in, in yeah. Kailash. So this mate, is odd. So, yeah, it is Go odd. Ahead. So can I, can, I, can I ask a question? I totally. love, <laughs> I love, I love, I love all this evidence, right? But so, are you suggesting? I mean, that that was that was not a small mountain you just showed me. Then you, you're talking about all the right. That's one of the biggest rocks on the planet, right? This is massive stuff, mate. So, are you saying this was built? Is that is that what you're saying? Do you think it was built or it was made? I mean, I, I. I I'll just give you the punchline and say yes, but the, the thing is that we have to look at the geological theory and go, does it make sense? And when we yeah. find out that it doesn't make sense for all these features on the planet, mm. we have to come up with a new explanation. We have to come up with an explanatory model. And I'm coming up with one that's, that's a possibility and advancing that theory. And so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for instance, we're, we're looking at this uh, this climber she's climbing mm -hmm. up what she calls a crack and but then we see the same crack here going the same way then we see the same crack here going the same way and we see the same crack and then we go are those cracks or are those actually strong joining seams like seams in a garment because it mm -hmm. doesn't look like it's breaking apart at all it looks like it's really strong and there's a there's a straight line going through this weird horizontal material that's kind of chaotic in its horizontalness. But mm. suddenly there's a straight line and a straight line and a straight line, and it's sectioned. And, and the they're almost even perfect. too, aren't they, mate? They're, this is interesting, almost guys. Like this is they're, they're almost, almost even, even, evenly, evenly, evenly spaced as well. Yeah. So that's I'm just sort of giving you some stuff. Uh, that's Baalbeck. We saw that uh, mm. Jacob's well. Uh, here in Texas, there, there's a straight line seam that goes through this um, material. This is supposed to be a natural well. It's not a it's not a well and it's not a cave, but they call it uh, Jacob's Well because they don't want you to think of it as a tunnel. But divers have gone into this and they go start going horizontal and they cannot find the end of this 
well. It's, it's really? a tunnel that goes on and on and on and on. Yes, and the water's coming up out of this tunnel. So the, the, the well entrance is where, the, where I'm saying the ancients said, we're going to have the water come out here. It's like a yoni-shaped uh, entrance with a perfect yeah. hor- uh, vertical line that bisects the um, shape of the mm-hmm. entrance. And then the divers you know, run their lines and they still can't, they still can't get to the end of this tunnel. So how, how deep, how deep have they been in? Do you know how, how far down they've I, gone? Or? I, I, it's kind of goes horizontal. So it's not so deep. It's that it keeps going. This it just way keeps going that way. Yeah. I think it was a thousand two hundred meters was, was as far as they've gone so far. There's, these are a number that I remember. Yeah. Well, they, and, I mean, you got to uh, run it. You got, you got you to deal with air and pressure and, you know, there's only so long take, you can they, stay under they're taking all these tanks and they, they have to go through these narrow spaces. So they can't take enough tanks. You know what I'm saying? To get through the yeah. narrow spaces. So yeah. it's anyway, so, so, so that's another interesting, there's, I'm just giving people photos to give a sense. I'm painting a yeah, little absolutely, picture. Yeah. Um, here's uh, me with a hilarious face going, <laughs> <gasps> And, and the text, which you can't see because of that, our, you that face you make things. when you realize they built it all. I mean, I, 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 oh, you can see that. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, it's interesting. So, do you know where my mind went? And it's and, and I find this <laughs> fascinating, right? My mind went to like a giant three D printer. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know, something, something like that, like that. And and it's interesting how we apply these things to the technology of our time. Like they used to think the brain was like a hydraulic engine because hydraulics was the best technology that they had at that time. They hadn't actually, you know. But, yeah, it's fascinating. Like how, yeah, this well, the, the concrete know, stuff, the concrete stuff, the moulded stuff, I know we were going to talk about that maybe a bit later as well, but there, there's, all that, there's all that fascinating, fascinating stuff, yeah. This, this kind of reminds me of a portal, you know, it's almost like yeah. they built it as a portal and you kind of wonder what time of the year you, if it is a portal, you would want to be there for something cool to happen. Yes, <laughs> That's very what, much so. where my mind goes, you know. Absolutely, yeah, but yeah. The yeah. 3D printing, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, the very last slide I have out of all these folders is, is uh, a picture of my, my book cover that I'm writing. It's, it's called Who Built the Earth? So the terraforming theory is one part of the the uh, uh, knowledge or the the idea, and yep. then the other part of the idea is who built the earth. So there's a different stage. There's an ancient because you talked about timelines earlier. Mm. To me, it's it's a truly ancient planet that was built in ancient times, and that's what my book, Who Built the Earth, is about. And so. The alternate, pr- the alternate uh, title for Who Built the Earth was Who Printed the Earth. <laughs> there you go. But there see, because I don't know for sure that it was printed, that's just a possibility. So I thought, you know, it's stronger for me right now to say Who Built the Earth because it's a safer title. Mm. I'm already out on the limb so far with this theory. I want to stay a little bit safe and say Who Built the Earth and yeah. have printing as a possibility within the book. Mm. But yeah, 3D printing... It's everything's pointing to 3D printing for the earth and for the, the continents because no one's taking wheelbarrows and shovels and building continents. There's, there's yeah. just that would yeah, take that's it. That, millions yeah. and millions of years. That that was and that was the that was the when I've 
like since we last spoke and because we were going to talk again, I've, I've sort of put some dedicated time into thinking about your theory and and where where my mind goes with it. And it's like I follow you on your evidence, but the 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 just how big, like how the the things you did, like you, it's just it blows my mind, you know. Um, it's a I bit mind blowing, yeah. I see there, there's a massive vertical crack there. Looks almost like two different types of stone almost in that one too. That's I thought I was gonna say I didn't read it. I was like, oh, is that Petra? It definitely is Petra. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So this is another example of something that sort of uh, makes us question the geological theory. Because if, if this is sedimentary sandstone, and that's what they tell us it is, mm. then why does it look different? You, you, you clued in on it right away. This little section on the left looks different from the section on the right. Mm. Um, and so you're like, why does it look different? And why is there a perfectly straight crack that goes all the way from the bottom of the photo through the very top and it keeps going? Mm. I mean, that's just a question I have. I haven't been to, to Petra. These aren't my photos, but I, I'm looking at the photos going, hey, what's going on? So yeah. then we have more Petra Jordan stuff. We have these really yeah, massive, massive vertical, vertical cracks. Yeah. Sectioning lines yeah. and, and kind of regular larger sections, you know, yeah, um, that, and that's it. it's interesting. Yeah, they are. It's suit. almost sectioned off, isn't it? If you look at it, it's like, you know, I mean, what's what? Do you know where that, was, is? that like that? That's Petra. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, and then we have um, also a Petra. We have what people are looking at is, oh, look, they carved a a door into this thing. Isn't that cool? And let's mm. go inside. And I'm looking at this line right here. Yeah, and click I'm over, mate. Yeah, 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 same yeah. angle of line. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so, I mean, it 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 goes the whole way through mm. what is supposed to be sedimentary material. This is supposed to be sedimentary sandstone. How are you going to have a straight line and then this other angle? This is the same angle of the straight line going here. Mm. That's interesting. Like, I mean, you start looking at this stuff. As I say, I I, I haven't I haven't quite made a photo. Uh, time got away from me. I was going to make a folder of some of the stuff I've seen here in Australia. I will get that to you to give you to help you with your, some of your evidence because I have seen some of that stuff here. You know, when you when you're climbing through the bush and you're looking for, you know, I'm, I'm on the search for standing stones and bits and pieces myself. However, I've 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 travelled all over this big brown land, Jock, and I have seen that in 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 multiple multiple times, multiple times. Right. So then, uh, so then again, we're just looking at the we're, we're we're coming at it with the eyes of a geologist and going, what in the heck is this straight line doing in our sedimentary material? You know. So what? So what made? So obviously, look, you, you've shown us multiple lines of evidence there. And what is the um, what is the obviously? You know, I know you're a thorough researcher. So what would a geologist say? Like if Jock was a geologist. What what is the yeah. what is the standard line? What 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 is well, how would they explain that? What what are they? How do they explain their sedimentary cracks and these different types of stone, these separate layers, this stuff that you're showing us today? They call this their their specific terminology for this line is a joint fracture. So they're trying to bring in the idea of a joint, in other words, a joining with the idea of a fracture by calling it a joint fracture, or for short, they just call it a fracture or a crack. But it's, it's basically what they're saying is it's a fracture. 
probably from temperature or from earthquakes or temperature differentials, cold, hot, cold, hot. Over the time, things fracture, things break apart. Well, I'm sorry, but this ain't breaking apart. No, a lot of these cracks are showing us I'm breaking apart. And a lot of these cracks, mate, they're, they're very, very straight. You wouldn't think, you know, like, like uh, again, like some of the research that I was doing, it's like, oh, some of this sandstone breaks in straight lines. But see, after talking yeah. to you and after seeing, you know, multiple lines of your evidence, I've watched a few more of your videos as well since we last spoke. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Not everything breaks in vertical lines, but it seems like it does. Like, hang on a minute. There's, there's, that's an anomaly. This is not. This is something that is worth thinking about. And I can actually truly see why you're down this rabbit hole. I can see how it's, 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 it's. Yeah, I can see why definitely. And if we go to the Yonaguni, Mon Yonaguni Monument in Japan, which is underwater, it's about eighty meters underwater. Um, then we find that the, the vertical sandstone, uh, the, the horizontal sandstone layers are breaking out, but they're also breaking out perfectly vertically. Yes. They're like, wait a minute, Geology 101 says nothing about perfect vertical. Yeah, there's no uh, right angles in anything. nature. Yeah, there's no right angles in but, nature. That's the rule, but, yeah. Because if, if geology was correct, and it was laid down as a sedimentary layer, and, and then a different sort of material the, 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 over the over next time, over years, time, over time, over time, right, yeah. right. Then it would break out horizontally, and that's less legitimate. But it's not gonna. There's no way you're gonna have a vertical scene that goes through many different geological layers. It's just, yeah. just not gonna happen. Yeah. So let's let's go to the to. Uh, so here it is. Um, this is the sort of the end result of this which is just some words and a picture, mm. just me saying stuff, but hopefully because people have seen what I've been looking at, they'll, they'll get an idea of why I've gone out on this limb, you know? Yeah, look, and look, that's a beautiful sentence you've got there too, mate. The end of institutional geology and the beginning of a new era, new era of understanding. Look, I, everything, you know, geology, like, see, the thing is through my lines of research, I... I have a few different focuses, but I have to gain understanding of all these different disciplines, yeah? And geology is one of those things where they literally moved away con of con from catastrophism because of the Bible. They didn't want to be seen aligning with the flood myth in the Bible. So that is really, that is why geology <laughs> is a gradual geology. That is as simple as it gets. It's ridiculous, that, to, but that is actually what happened. The reason we have gradualistic geology is at the start they didn't want to align themselves with the, the religion, so they decided to ignore catastrophism, right? So, it, you know, a lot of this, what we have found, and I'm sure you're finding as well, that all of these institutions and a lot of these disciplines are built on beds of sand, Jock. They're not, it, the, the evidence that they their, their major ideas that they have, it's very thin. The evidence is very thin and can be easily looked at and gone, hang on a minute, what are you talking about? Well, right. And the, the, the reason that institutional geology has come up with the natural theory for the formation of the, the, the continents and the earth is that their premise is that we are the first advanced race to yes. exist in, in the solar system, in the galaxy, in the universe. Mm -hmm. Therefore, 
no one could have been here to build continents. No one could have been here to build an earth. And why would they anyway? So, of course, it has to be natural. That's the premise. But we know that there are other advanced races out there. It doesn't mean that they definitely built continents. It doesn't mean that they definitely built planets. But we're not the first. We're the last, period. Yeah. We are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We are the current iteration, and I would actually, I would seriously play with the term advanced, Jock. I think if, you know, we, we, we got stuck in a, we got stuck in our greed sometime in the mid-20th century, and we stopped advancing. You know, one, right. of the, one of the things I love to tell my students and love to tell people when we're talking about this is that if you, if you wanted to, uh, you could order a, um, a Chevy, a Chevy Bel Air in 1957 with cruise control, with air conditioning, with electric seats, mm. with a primitive form of navigation, with a with a you know an eight track disc player, air suspension, you know a, a primitive injection, like you could get all that in 1957. Nothing has really changed because that they've been making money out of it. Any true invent, any true advancements in technology, whether it be electric or solar or hydrogen or any of this stuff, has been squashed and put aside because of the greed of the the post World War Two world that we have we have grown up in. You know, so I would question advance because if we were truly advanced. Yeah. We'd embrace hydrogen technology. We would embrace solar technology. We would embrace uh, cleaner forms of electric technology. Like, yeah, so I would even question advance, man. I, I, right. You know, I, right. Well, you know, I think that our minds are good enough to be an advanced race, um, but we keep getting held back by certain families who have vested interests, the Morgans, to name some, and the Morgans are the ones that squashed Wardenclyffe Tower, the Tesla's beautiful tower. Yeah. It could have given us free energy, yeah. essentially free energy. Once you build the towers, which cost money, then you've got basically free energy. Mm. And they, they squashed that because they said, we can't control it. We can't charge for it. Yes, so, it's so right. The, yep. So, and and the, the endless patents that get shelved, like you're saying, by the by the Rockefellers, the Morgans, the the big bankers, they just keep shelving patents because they want them, you know, and they, they'll even suicide people who create water driven cars, you know, so, oh, we can run our car on water. Uh, that's that's free. Water's free. Mm. Well, but no, they want to, you to pay for for petroleum based mm. uh, gasoline. Yeah, absolutely. So they shelve the patents. Well, one of the one of the one of the one of the first guys to come up with that and actually have it run successfully with a modern amount of power was an Aussie guy. He was an Aussie guy out of South Australia in the sixties, and yeah, GM, Ford, and uh, Chrysler knocked on his door and said, "Here's here's a, here's, a, here's a suitcase. Take this away with you and shut the fuck up." Right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, like, and it's amazing how many of these guys can't drive cars, John. It's amazing how they find one tree in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> they, they run into these trees all the time. Right, right, right. right. Or, or they accidentally shoot themselves in the head twice. Uh. <laughs> right. Yeah, or they shoot themselves in the back of the head or something, you know. Yeah, that's right, with a shotgun. So, yeah. um, <laughs> let's – yeah. So let's go, let's, if you want, let's go to this. Yeah, let's um, do it, man. Let's keep moving. If I can... Tell me about expanding Earth because I, I, um, I, I have heard a bit about this. As I say, you, you're giving me fresh information. I love that. 
And it's not necessarily something we've spoken about on the podcast before either, which is cool. Right, exactly. I mean, there's so many subjects. And, you know, the expanding earth is something that came on a few years ago. Um, about the I've same heard time some stuff about it. Yeah. Earth. yeah. And there's, there's an amazing guy. I'll, I'll show you his book later on uh, in this slideshow. I only got about 10 slides, so don't worry. It's not going to kill you. Uh, when I say kill you, I mean, uh, it's not going to kill your audience, hopefully. Uh, to no, go no, no. Slides. They're good. They're just... good. They're good. They're awesome. Okay. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pummel anyone with too much stuff. And I, I'm, I'm always so excited about stuff. I will literally go on to a waitress in a cafe for 20 minutes while she's standing there waiting for me to, to take my order. I'll be like the Bosnian pyramids and just go off, you know, and she's like, wait, literally, when is he going to order? You know? Yeah. I just, I did, he, does he uh, so, want a coffee or what? What's he doing? I know. <laughs> and I always think they're interested in them. Like, I'll give you these links if you want. They're like, definitely. I'll come and I'll come and say hi to you. They never do. I mean, never. Like a hundred percent, hundred percent rate of not really caring that much. But anyway, well, the thing is, there's um, so, so much, mate. There's so much, Jock. I think, and I think a lot of people are interested. However, once we can move out of this survival slash fear mindset that we started this pod I started this podcast right. talking about. Once we can actually move out of that collectively, right. I do think that the genuine interest, because it's not that people aren't genuinely interested, it's just that they're in they're in such a state of um survival that it's hard for them to to even look at it and move past, you know? Agreed. Agreed. Mm. So um, basically what we have is a theory of the Earth that, that says that it was, it was a about the size of Mars in the distant past, which is a third, so it's a third uh, of the size it is now, and yeah. really, really small. So um, Mars's gravity is really not that much. It's, it's really, really a light gravity. And so mm. that's what Earth had in, in the distant past to allow the larger dinosaurs and giant humans to live on this planet, to walk around. Mm -hmm. And so um, the way it's been expanding, the theory goes, is through the seabed. So the continents remain essentially the same. And in the, in the distant past, the, the, the ball of the earth didn't have oceans in it. It wasn't the Pangaea thing quite. It wasn't, yeah, wasn't okay. quite Pangaea yeah. because, because the Pangaea is like some continents on a big ball of water. Yeah. And the continents are together on this big ball of water. And they, and they, and they broke different. apart and floated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they floated around, they floated through the seas, but, but. This is different. Uh, it's a smaller Earth that has no oceans yet. Mm. All right. And so then little by little from the seabed midlines that you see the snaking line mm -hmm. from the from the middle of the seabeds, which weren't seabeds back then. They were just seams between the continents. Um, then the Earth expands slowly, slowly from the volcanic action of this of this the seam uh, throughout the, the earth and there's many which we, many which we can seams. see we can so, see um, we can see evidence of that uh, throughout Australasia um, along the along the uh, ring of fire in Hawaii as well you know there's that island that's constantly being built every single day um, that is right. creating its own landmass yeah. So we can kind of see this line that goes, it, it looks a lot like the, the continents, uh, the left side of the continent of Africa. In other words, you could see- It does too, Africa yeah, okay, I can see that, yeah. America. 
How accurate is this? What you're showing me, obviously, obviously, Jock, you're showing me something. You're showing me the Earth without ocean. What What's the level of accuracy? Right. Is that is that is that actually true? Because I mean, obviously, I thought we to this day we still don't really know much about our oceans, but we've been able to map the Earth and take them apart. Is is there is this very accurate? Do you know? Well, I think we the problem with our ocean science is that we don't know about the organisms, but we do have really good readings at the bottom of the, uh, <laughs> we have these, these readings are super, super detailed and they show the spreading of the, of the um, seabeds. Yeah. So it's called seafloor spreading. And, and so let me just show you some more. Yeah. Well, um, look at that. We've got a bigger picture. There we go. So, you can see how it's stretching. So it's steam yes. floor spreading. Or That's steam. interesting. And, and the, 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 so we have this really detailed, uh, probably sonic readings from the bottom of the seas. Mm. And we have something even more, to me, even more interesting. Oh, this is the uh, title of the book written by this guy, uh, James um, Maxlow. Beyond called, Plight Tectonics. See, yeah, beyond plate tectonics, and so here's uh, this is in his book or one of his. He's written, I think, five books on the on the Earth, mm. and this shows. Uh, interestingly, what this shows is different dates for the seabed material, and the and the youngest dates are in the middle. So in this little middle area, and that along the seams the there, yeah, 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 right. Are, Toward, further out towards the end, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so that 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 really, really, um, what's the word? Um, helps the expanding Earth theory to to have the dating of the seabed be older the further out it gets. So, look, guys, just for those that are listening at home without the video, I want to try and capture this because this is actually really opening my mind to a different perspective. So basically from what it looks like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jock, is that some of these main seams, which would be the fault lines around the planet, you would expect uh, some of the major fault lines, it seems that there is there is earth being created from underneath that is actually pushing, pushing the earth out and actually creating and widening the planet as this actually happens. And we're looking at, at, at many different pictures and lines of evidence to show that. And that is very, very fascinating. And that is not something that I'd seen before. Is there a time frame? Like how old's the green stuff there that we're looking at now? That's a good question. I think uh, I don't know the specific age of this. Uh, Would be interesting. How, how could we actually date it too, I suppose, is another, another question. Well, that, yeah, that, that, that's the rabbit hole, too, because that gets into whether or not the Big Bang actually exists or, I mean, is, is really real or not. And uh, I would argue, and I think that real science argues that there was no Big Bang, that the universe yeah. has always been here and the universe will likely always be here. And, and mm. so that, gi that gives us not only time for civilizations to advance and become way more advanced than we are yeah, um, throughout, yeah. th throughout the infinite time before, mm. but it, it also uh, <clears throat> means that our Earth could be uh, much older than... Uh, 
the, the universities tell us, but then again, the timelines might be off and might be off in a different way, which is that it might be much younger than they tell us. Uh, but but it, but the, the fact that there was no Big Bang, according to science, yeah, um, gives us gives us, opens up a whole lot of possibilities for um, the dating of races that exist today and existed mm-hmm. before us mm-hmm. and also dating of planets and dating mm-hmm. of suns and yeah so well, i mean this is and this is i mean you know just to put it into a little bit of perspective is that we only just got a good like that we only took a photo of pluto in the 70s you know like the, the first time we actually even saw it and it was not a good photo it was a blurry photo however just to put that into your mind like it was only 50 years ago that we actually took photos of our outer planets that we'd never actually truly actually seen them before. So to pretend that we could actually accurately date them, right. given the fact that we only just saw them, like, again, the hubris <laughs> is, 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 is quite uh, unbelievable. So we've got a heap of, oh, so James right. Maxo, okay, so he's got a number of books. On the Origin of Continents and Oceans, A Paradigm Shift in Understanding. That's interesting. Terra non firma, Earth, Plate Tectonics is a Myth. On the Origin of <laughs> Continents and Oceans, book two, The Earth Rocks, The Earth's Rock Record. On the Origin of Continents and Oceans, book one, Empirical Small Earth Modeling Studies. So just to follow that line of what you just showed us there, right? Okay, so let, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna join two things together here. So if we're to pretend, let's say for a fact. We're going, to, we're going to go full believer that there is an, an advanced race of whoever living underneath the earth, right? So are they expanding our earth because they need more space underneath there? <laughs> like are they actually controlling the push out and making it larger, making the roof better? You know, like is that <laughs> – have I gone too crazy there or is that – I mean, that's that that certainly makes sense, and I never quite thought of that before. Um, and and I would I would say that that's completely logical. Um, I also think that if the planet was built, so if you know, for starting from this big picture of people could have built planets and maybe they built the earth. If they did build the earth, they're probably going to build an engine into it that will make it bigger over time. Mm. If they're building a home, they're building a home and the, 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 the time it would take them to build a, a planet that's three times larger is three times as much time. Mm. So in other words, if they can build a small planet that, that, that expands on its own, mm. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's some there, there's some out there stuff. That that's something to think about. But that is um <laughs> I, I I had never ever seen that before, and that completely shifts my perception and understanding of of our planet. Because what you're showing me here is it it makes sense. So James Maxlow, I might have to try and get in touch with him. That, that I, I want to hear I want to hear what he's got to say. Like that that is fascinating. That is fascinating stuff. Yeah, he's wow. uh, he's got at least five books. I was trying to find out how many books he had before this this talk, but I couldn't mm. I couldn't find out because the internet sometimes is not is not user friendly for me. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it is, I don't know. but uh, anyway, I think is that is I don't think that that may so, not be the so technology jock. That may be the user. <laughs> 
I know, I know. It's, 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 and I keep going back and forth between search engines going, well, you know, why can't I find a search engine that's going to help me? But it's probably my search terms, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, let's see if I can, can I turn off Instagram? I don't know. Anyway, so this is just a picture. Now we're going we're gonna to go where you want to go. This is the juice right here. This is giants, okay. right? Giants, run of giants. Look, hey, it's not, not about where I wanted to go. You've taken me in a, <laughs> a couple of different directions already, mate. Don't ever worry about that. Well, you know, you did mention this, and I was like, I definitely want to go there. I just got to lay some foundation for, for these giants. It's all giants. good, man. I like it. I like it. I think it's good. I think because the thing is, we we can't just like I, I agree with you. We can't just go. Oh, that was giants. We need to premise it, and I think before we get to giants, there's there's a, a thought process that's been ruminating in the back of my head the whole time. It's like. If you think about um, the super tall people that are on the earth now, you know, you've got the seven and a half foot or eight foot of people, they have great trouble just moving around on the planet. That is true too, you know, like, and because they are one of the things they talk about is actually just trying to move around because of the gravity affecting them, you know, like that's, that'd be why the average height of humans is within a foot, you know, because that we can't get much taller than that or bigger than that uh, or else it is actually a great issue with us moving around you know and some of the megafauna uh i used to i used to tell you'll enjoy this jock used to tell my wife that there was a giant wombat here in australia and she thought i was joking um because i used to say oh well you know a hundred thousand years ago we could be camping and a big giant wombat's going to come and just totally wreck our day and she, she thought I was joking, but then we went to the um, went to the mu- local museum here in Brisbane, and they've got a skeleton that they found of a giant wombat. And I said, "See?" And she goes, "I thought you were joking." But <laughs> I said, "No, there's you know wombats the size of a small van. Like that's that's how big, you know, some of these megafauna right. was." So then we got to ask ourselves, why is it that all of the organisms, plants, insects, animals are getting smaller over time? Because mm. that's what the fossil record shows us. That's what yeah. the bones are telling us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That, then, then you go, well, and humans are animals, so humans are doing the same thing. Now, this yeah. is just a picture of, uh, this is just a picture. So people go, well, that's not evidence of giants. Somebody painted a picture. Are you really calling that evidence? No, I'm not calling this evidence. It's just a cool picture. picture. (laughs) It's a cool picture to introduce what's happening. And, you know, I did try to find the author of this picture and I worked really hard about eight years ago trying to find out who painted this. I can't find out who painted it. So I, 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 otherwise I'd give him credit. Um, Mm. So this is uh, South Africa. This is a giant footprint in what is supposed to be granite um and michael tellinger has gotten so much flack for promoting this because this is near where he lives and so he's the main guy that promotes this footprint and so the the geologists are saying you cannot have a footprint in granite and he's like yeah i know so how did it get there (laughs) yeah that's right yeah so yeah it's a footprint yeah i know i know we can't have that so someone tell me what happened (laughs) Like this, so this what, is so and he had he didn't know how to explain it, except that then he got an email from an Alaskan gold miner, and the Alaskan gold miner told him that when they go through and mine for gold, they've got this sluice that's at the end of the day, 
And they just, it's just the stuff that doesn't have the gold in it anymore. So it's just waste material yeah. and it's, it, it's loose and it's, it's, um, but and so you could step into this stuff mm-hmm. and leave a footprint. In fact, animals do that all the time. All the time, yeah. Then it hardens. Yep. Then it hardens into stone. It hardens back into the stone it was before mm-hmm. they took the gold out of it. Yeah. So he, this this Alaskan gold miner, gave Michael Tellinger the clue about how this could have happened. And and by the way, there's tons of gold mines down in South Africa. I mean, it's unbelievable how much gold Ooh, is yeah. down there. Oh yeah. And how much how much historical gold mining has gone on. So this mm-hmm. is the perfect place for something like this to have happened you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right so let's go to this book (laughs) (laughs) i mean why does a book like this exist it would be my question yeah i'll just leave it there so where's where is that no hang on that's that's where's that uh, giant where is um, the giant book I don't know, and I looked for uh, on the post to find out the specific information, and it didn't. It didn't have the uh, the origin of this book. It's probably from Italy or someplace. I'm, I mean, look, there's Italy in the map right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling it's. I have a feeling it might be something that is either associated with the Vatican secret library or uh, is. In Italy somewhere. I just have a feeling. I don't know. This guy looks Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here's this. This this is West Java, Indonesia. I talked to a guy who said, not only can I show you where this is, he's in Indonesia, but I can show you caves with bones of giants that are that big. Really? Indonesia's only, yep. Indonesia's only uh, is not far away from me. That's interesting. Hmm. So that's West Java, Indonesia. Mm -hmm. People say, well, that's not necessarily a footprint. And I'm like, well, what I see is a footprint. Different people might see different things. Mm. Uh, Let's go to the next thing. Oh, here's the conversation with this fellow. If anyone wants to talk to him, here that's his Facebook name. (laughs) His Facebook name is P-O-Z-E-N-P-A-I-N. Posen Pain. You can find him on Facebook. On Facebook, you can you can talk to him, and he says, "If you like to see not only footprint but body, go to Yamen, Y A M A N, yeah, in a cave, in a cave, one of yeah, one of many caves in a village named Al Aqua in Dhamma Province. Giant bodies, not only a giant footprint, and the condition of the giant bodies are better than the condition of the dead body of pharaohs. Wow." That's interesting. That's, I mean, (laughs) okay. Now check this out. What do you see? That's like that's like fingers. Looks like fingers almost, or toes, or something. Yep, fingers or toes. Wow! And then you've got a you've got a guy, a human. About maybe five or six feet tall. Yeah, it looks like a grain of. It could be a grain of rice in comparison to how big this giant is. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even I mean, even if you if if we step away from like you know physical giants, some of the statues that you hear from the ancient world, you know, like the statue of Heracles that apparently went across the Straits of Gibraltar, like one foot 
on either side, and they, I think they found the foot. Mm-hmm. And if they actually mm-hmm. you extrapolate the foot, then the statue itself was a few hundred meters tall. Like, I mean, how do you even? You, we we have no concept of that. Obviously, we have a concept of a tall building that's built, you know, one layer at a time over over a period of time. But a, a, a statue in granite that is four hundred meters tall, you know, apart from the Statue <laughs> of Liberty, like I mean, that's the only thing. But be like tw- two or three times the size of the Statue of Liberty is what we're talking about, John. You know, like some of this stuff, it's um, it's mind bending. And then you have to ask yourself, is the, is the uh, statue actually a statue or is it a, a being that turned to stone, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, in, in an infinite universe, mate, all things are possible, aren't they? That's the, that's the reality. Yeah. So here's Chelsea Lee, Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-I-E, Lee, L-E-I-G-H on Facebook. She's saying, so I'm watching a building, so I'm watching Building Off the Grid on Do-It-Yourself Network, and as this family takes an aerial photo of their beautiful new home, I notice something. So this is the toes or the fingers, it's probably toes, of a giant that's so big that if he picked you up, you would be a grain of rice in his palm. I mean, mm. it's, it's astonishing. Mm. Then you got these. <laughs> That's Canada. Holy shit. How big is that? That, are, that go for, I mean, it looks like the, it looks like the plane's probably uh, a, a thousand feet away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say 300 meters away, and then this thing looks like it might be the size of a football field. This, this yeah, something field. like that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's 100, 200 meters long, something like that. So, you know, and it could be just a lake that looks like a footprint. Okay, well, I'm just, yeah. I'm just showing you some stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then on yeah. the left, yeah, so on the left side of this, it's kind of hard to see, but I'm going to circle it with my cursor. There's four upside-down what look like finger marks, okay? And I'm gonna go to the next slide and it's, I I upped the contrast a little bit and and came closer in. Okay, here's one, what what looks like a finger, here's another, here's another, and then a smaller one here. Mm. And you're like, what's the ridge? There's a ridge between each of them as if someone had pressed the fingers in and then there's a ridge of molten material that comes up, you know? Mm. Mm. And that's here in Texas. So, then you've got Elephant Rock. Now, this is uh, quite a large elephant. <clears throat> this is in Iceland. And uh, Yeah, I've seen that. That's unbelievable, game. isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. And there's all these elephants all over the planet that, that mm. look like they were giant elephants that turned to stone. I mean, much, much, much bigger than our present-day elephants. Mm. Mm. Close, up, mm. close, close up on that, and you kind of get a feeling for the skin and everything. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. That, that It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, there's a, isn't there? There's a um, – not too sure. Yeah, that's the – is that the island? The island that actually – that's the one. That's the one that looks like an elephant from front to back. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Uh, and then there's this other one in this in this next slide. There's another elephant rock on the bottom left of this uh, collage, which is I think it's in um, Thailand mm. or someplace. Mm. I can't really remember, but I posted it on my Samir Osmanigas Facebook page back when I had that, and I had it for nine years, and I got 13 million people reached. I got 70 uh, 70,000 shares. 
yeah, wow. 75,000 shares of this elephant rock collage because people are just so freaked out by, by this. I mean, that's a, it blew away anything that I posted about the Bosnian pyramids uh, by like a factor of a thousand. I mean, it just yeah. it was unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Um, here we have a guy standing on <clears throat> what looks to be, well, you tell me what you think that looks like he's standing on. Yeah, it looks like a, a frog or, or an insect of some description. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. How big How big is this insect, would you say? Well, I mean, the guy that's standing on there, if you say five and a half <clears> foot tall, the head of that insect is, you know, three metres wide or something like that, four metres wide. Yeah. Yeah. So it, to me, it looks like a praying mantis head. Mm, could be. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. There's all the, there's the snake stones as well. Have you seen? I think that's um, that's somewhere in North America, where there's the serpent stone. It actually, looks like and it's massive, and it looks like a, a snake, and you can see the scales and all that sort of stuff as well. And they say it's carved, you know. But what if it's not carved? What if it's uh, right, right? What if it's a snake turned to stone? So how would they turn right. to stone though, Jock? How would how would they turn to stone if we were to if we were to uh, to posit a theory about that, how would they do that? Well, the, probably in a similar way to how um, bones turn to stone and become petrified or how trees become petrified. So, so geology or paleontology, ha they have this um, recipe for that happening mm. and certain mineral minerals seep in because there's water available and, the, and there's a seeping action of the minerals coming mm. in. And then the minerals sort of take over the, the hollow bone because um, bones are largely, I don't know if I can say largely hollow, but there's a lot of hollow spaces in the bones. Yeah. So, um, so right now we're looking at something called ship rock in New Mexico and mm. you're like, well, that's a bunch of stones and that's a bunch of features that are geological. And then you, then you go look at it from Google earth and you go, that looks like a dragonfly that's about six miles long. <laughs> and here's the tail. Yeah. And here's the head and you can see the wing on the left. And then there's a, uh, a line here for the wing on the right. And you would think that this black material might be carbon, you know? Yeah. And so this is just a theory, you know, that I came up with from this particular image. Cause uh, how, how do you explain the fact that there's this dike, they call it a dike that came up naturally. And it's, it's basically a uh, perfectly vertical feature that goes for miles and miles and miles near ship rock. And then they say, then it came up and then everything else was eroded away from it because it's a slightly harder material. And you're like, really? But really, that, that seems like pretty far-fetched. Then, we, pretty then we go to back to, Bo yeah, the go back to Bosnia and we, we see the megasphere and we go, okay, we know that stone spheres were built that were smaller all around the world, but here's this massive sphere who is building this massive sphere and what the heck are they doing that for? Mm. So now I just have one more quick, uh, a couple more uh, images. Let me just make that full screen. This is oh. how big this fossil, it's basically, a, it's like a dragonfly, but it's a, it's a slightly different species, mm -hmm. but it's similar to a dragonfly. It's called a griffin fly. Mm. And it's that much bigger in the distant past. It's way, way, way bigger than our dragonflies. 
And we have nothing like this, this big uh, in, in the dragonfly sort of family uh, in modern day. So why were similar insects so large back mm. in the day? Well, I mean, yeah, to sort of put that into perspective, we're looking at a fossil stone here, you know, with a dragonfly comparison that is probably 10, 11, 12 times the size of a generic dragonfly, you would think, like if you were, if you were to hazard a guess. I mean, and, that, and so if you, if you think about a dragonfly, what a decent dragonfly is a couple of inches long with a couple of inch wingspan, you times that by 12, you're talking about a three-foot dragonfly. You know, like that's <laughs> that would scare the crap out of me. Cause three foot dragonfly flying around. Wow, is that and so that's another type. Is that the same one, or is that a different 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 fossil we're looking that's at? The, there? That's the same griffin griffin fly. Uh, I, I it might be a slightly, it might not be the same individual griffin fly, but it's the same species. Yeah, wow. So they found multiple examples of so, this in the fossil record. That's that's what we that that's what we yeah. look like. Yeah, <clears throat> massive. So so the, the with the four wings, you know, I mean, it's so rare that you would have a, a an animal that was so similar and yet so much bigger in the distant past. It's always bigger in the distant past. Mm. So um, so now I'm gonna I'm just gonna go to meticulous. Is is my folder's name right? Yeah. And you go. Why is he? Why is he? naming a folder meticulous well because some people posit that the ancient uh giants built all the pyramids and did, did all the building and if i'm going to throw the terraforming theory into that they mm. say well maybe if we go with terraforming if the continents were built then the giants probably built them well i don't think so because look at the fingerprints finger marks on this stone. They're really, really small. Mm -hmm. um, they've got tool marks of a small spatula. <clears throat> this, stone, this stone is probably about two feet wide. So those marks are basically the mark of a regular size spatula. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's not giants doing anything. This is regular. When I say regular size people, I mean, people about our size doing yeah, something yeah. with this yep. stone, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's a Bosnian pyramid uh, complex stone. Now, here's the Bosnian pyramid of the moon. There's an inclined layer. They, they not only inclined it into the structure, uh, it's, it's leaning into the See, face that's of the pyramid, but it's also going, it's going up too. So it's, it's spiraling up the structure and inclined into the structure. It's so yeah. engineered. It's unbelievable. Mm, and you've got mm. this texturing on, the, on each... On each individual stone, yeah, they got soft yeah. earthquake mitigating clay above. Yep, and above it is like three meters of soft earthquake mitigating clay. Then you've got the at the bottom, you've got the hard baked clay stone layer that's a structural layer to hold the soft earthquake mitigating clay play, clay in place. I wonder, I wonder, Jock, I wonder, Jock, mate, because you were saying this is in Eurasia. I wonder whether the yeah. um, and look, it, it, it the Chinese are their own entity under their own. However, I wonder if the Chinese pyramids are built in similar fashion, whether or not it was a building technique across that uh, continent, you know what I mean, or whether it was a, a type of building technique. Because right. obviously you see, you know, the step pyramids in South America, the, the pyramid builders in Northern Africa, um, they're all, it's a different style. But if you're saying this, this you've seen evidence of this echoing across Eurasia, I just, I wonder, I just wonder, you know. Well, well, this is the Bosnian Pyramid of the Moon, so you know it's it's in the Balkans, and so 
the only pictures I've seen of Chinese pyramids are from the from the satellites mm. or from the occasional airplane that that that, that snuck under there you know, incredible secrecy. So well, I haven't seen anything of the structuring. No, but no, clearly no. in this, but clearly in this photo, what we see is texturing of the tops of these blocks mm, definitely. done by somebody about our size. In other words, giants are not texturing these blocks in this really meticulous way is, is really the point of that. And yeah, you, know, okay. you can see the texturing. That's this that's that's the same exact um, terrace that I'm showing you from a different angle now. You can see oh, the okay, cool. That, there you go. That's cool. Stones. Yeah, righto. So that pro- so, that's so interesting. what you said in the, the first podcast, which was the texturing might be for to keep the next layer from sliding so much. So so it would it would have a friction in an earthquake. Yeah. To have that deep gouging, you know. Mm, mm. So. That's that's the same terrace. You can see the beauty of this, and none of this was exposed. It was it was the volunteers came, they unearthed this terrace, and now we get to see their building, their structural building. That's, it's it's almost uniform. What we're looking at, guys, is it, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like. Uh, a, a terrace with a bunch of swirls on it. But if you look at it from when Jock showed the other angle of the photo, they're raised. It's like they've been – it's it's almost like a – was there water running over that? I wonder whether there was water running over that. Like, that's interesting. Why would you texture it? Because from the other angle, the, the ridges are quite high. You know, it's two to three centimetres in height across each block. But it is almost – it is – it does look deliberate. It does look deliberate. Well, all of this, this whole terrace was under the soft clay that you see on the left. And so um, it was never, there was no water running over it. Mm. Um, Each of these stones was baked individually and textured individually. Mm. And you're like, who is doing that? Is it people about our size or is it giants? And well, clearly it's got to be people our size. It can't be because giants couldn't, this, this would be like a little tiny, they, they couldn't handle it. It'd be like us trying to fashion a microchip or something with our fingers. We couldn't do it. Sure. So this is Texas. And I wanted to, sh- I wanted to show you this. There's two things about this I want to show you. <clears throat> the meticulous nature of the, the, the clay layers in between the hard baked limestone. So they've got soft clay layers in between. And I can put my finger into those layers and it's totally soft. And the reason it's still there with all the rain for thousands and millions of years is because it's sticky. So it's soft, but it's sticky. And it's literally sticking. Even though the rain is coming, it's it's really hard for the water to wash that soft clay away. Um, And it's protected by the structural, hard-baked structural layers on top of Mm. it. So it is slightly eroded. The soft soft earthquake mitigating clay is slightly eroded from Mm -hmm. the rain Mm -hmm. um, from each of these. But it's basically staying staying strong. In a million years, it will all be these sections will come down because slowly the clay does come away. But you can yeah. see the meticulous nature of it. It's not even it's not even an inch in the top soft clay uh, layer. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an inch in the second one, and then it's a few inches of soft clay in the, in the third one. But mm-hmm. clearly, it was built by people who could who could meticulously do this with hands about our size. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, <laughs> and. And this is the, I'm going to go in real close on this stone in different photos. So here's a stone that's 
it's it's come out it's a it's a, it's a section it's a concrete section and, and the concrete section has two levels to it but as we get closer we see that those two levels the thinner level on top has mm. another level in between it and the one below it and that is again the soft earthquake mitigating clay yeah. that has little bits in it that have stuck to the clay it's so right. soft right. so that massive section of concrete is composed of two concrete layers one really thick one really thin and then mm -hmm. they put the soft earthquake mitigating clay meticulously in this one stone it's astonishing how much care they put into building hills is what i yeah. want to say um this is this is me in the bosnian pyramid complex that was my very first day exploring and my friend who brought me out there and, and paid for me to come out for two weeks um, to help videotape him as a scientist exploring these things. So I was the videographer basically for him. Yeah. He took a picture on, of me. This is the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. You can see the sectioning. Um, I just want to show people that, that who I am because I'm talking and you're like, who is this crazy guy? Well, here's I spent 23 months in Bosnia and these are some pictures from Bosnia. That's me with my amateur video camera when I was a volunteer taking photos, uh, videos of Semir Osmanovic talking. He's the discoverer of the pyramids. Mm. Um, doing an excavation at a secret site that no one knows about except for me and my friends who I brought there. That's the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. Um, that's the Foynesa River. That's the Bosnian Pyramid Complex in the background. Yeah. Uh, videotaping on the Bosnian Pyramid of the Moon. That's with the volunteers. And that's the shirt that I love. The only shirt that I bought with words on it in 30 years. Um, Bosnian Pyramids digging, digging the true history. Love that shirt. Mm. Um, this is a, a, secret, a secret site in the Bosnian Pyramid of the Sun. That's my backpack that's made out of hemp. And that's me in Serbia later on saying, you know what? It's not only all built in Bosnia, but there's tunnels here that in built hills, you can see the vertical lines in these uh, through this quote sedimentary material. And yeah. inside that tunnel, there's a well that goes straight down for 20 feet. Check out the iron well tunnel on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> wow. Take a breath, mate. Take a breath. You just, you just, Punched out a, a, a whole heap of data there, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, oh, that's a Datsusara backpack. I like their stuff. I've got, um, I've got the the big bag, the big Datsusara bag. Um, okay. That, that I, yeah, that my cat has actually covered in cat hair, but that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, listen, that that is that is something else. Uh, where do I start? Where do I start? Um, questions. Questions: The terraforming of terror. That's a that's an elegant body there as well. Um, questions: What's it? What, what when we talk about timeline? How old do you think? If 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 something was terror, if the terraforming of terror did take place, could you, if you were to even potentially say a time, which would be hard, what would be the timeline? Because we find um, on video in real time explorations uh, on different continents, seashells in what is clearly terraformed sections. In other words, it, we see that this is concrete because of the vertical uh, seams in the sections that are supposed to be 
sedimentary layers that cannot have vertical seams in them if geology is correct. Mm -hmm. So we see, we see the concrete sections, then we suddenly go, wait a minute, this section here has a seashell in it. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Doesn't that mean it's geological? Well, we already know it isn't geological. We already know it's terraforming. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the timeline of the terraforming, if we agree with the terraforming hypothesis, or if we can at least uh, hold it in our minds as a possibility, mm-hmm. then this timeline becomes, they had, to ter- they had to build the continents after the marine organisms and the freshwater organisms with seashells mm-hmm. came into existence. So we're talking about hundreds of millions of years ago, or you know, much, it could be much younger than that. Sometime after seashells came around, yeah. that's when they were building hills, valleys. So the, in other words, it's a two-stage process. If, if, we, if we agree that it's possible that a planet could be built, if, if the earth was built, then they came later with the terraforming. And so mm-hmm. the, the planet builders didn't have to be the same race that built the continents. And in fact, there could be different races that are built in continents. But I think your idea about the 3D printing of that you could build a machine that printed features that look geological to us, but because they have a randomizing computer program that randomizes the features, Mm. each hill looks different, each feature looks different, each valley looks different, each creek bed looks different because the computer program told it to grab material from the ether and make it a slightly different hill each time. Mm. And so you've got a machine just that just works on its own while you're off ch- chilling out among the stars with your friends mm. and somebody's building a planet with a machine back home, or it's, an, it's a new home for somebody else. And maybe you're going to live there. Maybe you're going to give it to your friend. It's, mm. it's a house you might give to your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. So, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It, it, And I suppose because you're in the depths of a new theory as well, is that it's hard (laughs) to... um, Help! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard hard to actually to posit by the time... Look, I think the timeline's a way out, mate. Like, I think, think, um, you know, you you, you talk about footprints. There were standard-sized human footprints found in Turkey that were four and a half million years old, right? So it's like you start playing with that. Like, I mean, how do you how do you bring that into your lexicon? You know, like if that's true, or even if it's half that time, doesn't matter if it's half. That's two two point two million years ago. We've got um, we've got footprints. You know, like it's. I think again, and it's hard to it's hard not to you know take my conversation hat off and put my tinfoil hat on and sort of say that the narrative has been so well steered that when we when we start to question it with some of these extreme things it it's hard to wrap your mind around however if we go back to the start we talk with the 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 space photos where i expanded that photo from you know one a distant star into a million other stars like we've got no idea at the end of the day any theory, and the thing is that the stuff that you're showing me, Jock, it has weight. It does have weight, and I can see because I'm open, but I'm also honest. So I'd be the first one, and and I have thought about your stuff critically. I have thought, how do I, how would I come at this, or not not disprove it, but how could? What are the questions that I can ask you to give me more information? You know. Well, that's exactly what, what I was doing with geology. I was questioning it 
as I went out into the field and going, because I'm in the Bosnian Pyramid Complex as a playwright. I just happened to be able to become the videographer only because I met Samir and I was making these little videos with my amateur video camera. And he liked the videos because I would pump YouTube with tons of videos of volunteers talking about it and employees and everybody as scientists. And so he he hired me as the videographer, which is a cosmic joke because I don't I'm not good with machines at all. Uh, <laughs> a video camera to me is like a foreign entity. Whereas I always thought, why aren't why aren't there a thousand videographers who are professionals vying for this position? Why am I the guy that gets to do this? I, I would do it for free. He paid me a salary. It was a Bosnian salary. It was basically nothing, but. You know, I, I would have done it for free because it was so amazing to be with him exploring tunnels uh, that had never been walked in, um, you know, going to pyramids and talking to scientists who were doing analysis in the moment that mm. was going to be groundbreaking analysis that the major media would then ignore. Mm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we would have to pump our videos really hard because no, the major media said, well, there aren't any pyramids in Bosnia. Screw you. We're not going to promote anything from there. So you, I, we had to do it on our own. So anyway, so I'm the, I'm the playwright with a camera that happens to be a super good camera because I, I bought a super good camera because I knew mm. that if I didn't, they wouldn't come out good because I didn't know how to run a camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just bought the best auto camera I could find <laughs> that would, that would yeah. it was, it was light sensitive enough that it would be in the tunnels to pick up everything and wouldn't do anything except point it. So I'm just go to people and point the camera at them and go, how do you feel about the Bosnian pyramids? Or I'd go up to a scientist and go, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this experiment on scalar waves on the pyramid of the sun. Well, okay, then we make a video about that. So to me, it was a cosmic joke that I got to be the guy. I'm thrilled that I got to be the guy, but now I'm in this weird position where I'm a playwright. That's my main thing that I do. I write stories mm. that are fiction. But then the, the, the reality of the world is so much more interesting than anything I've written as a fiction writer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Should I write a story that's fictional today, a sci-fi story that I just made up out of my head? Or should I do something that is probably even more bizarre, which mm -hmm. is delve into ancient history, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, I'm in the middle of this theory, this terraforming theory, and maybe even a planet building theory. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't have anyone to talk to. I got nobody. There's a few people who can help me. But like I'm writing my book on who built the earth. And I'm like, there's nobody to talk to to tell me who built the earth. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just by myself. So I'm talking to I'm talking to you, and I'm like, you and I should have a beer and, and put a prawn on the Barbie and, and and talk about maybe who built the Earth or maybe who mm. didn't. But mm. you know, um, like the fact that you're willing to talk to me about terraforming, first of all, or, or other crazy theories, is fantastic because there's nobody for me to talk to. I mean, mm. really, there's there's no scientists who are doing work that says who built the Earth or mm. when it was built. None, mm. zero. Mm. No, I'm, I'm doing my best, you know. Well, look, mate, the thing is, is that with a lot of this work, I mean, you know, hopefully I, I hope for you, mate, that your work comes to fruition in the, in the, in the next little while and, and someone and this, this theory gets steam and is proved to be correct. Because it, it seems to be, you know, in, in some sort of manner, you are a bit of a renegade with that sort of stuff. You know, there's guys like you guys like Michael Tellinger, guys like Randall Carlson, guys like Graham Hancock, you know, without there's, – there's sort of only 10 or 15 guys that are, that are leading, and you'd be part of that group now, is that, that – you know, and I hope to be part of that group that, – that, that are trying to lead the charge 
and expanding these theories that actually make sense. Like, it, you're right to look at these massive stone walls and go, hang on a minute, that's sectioned pretty evenly. What is going on there, right? Because I, I look at it as well and go, hang on, yeah, what is going on there? That's a very good question. And you don't have anyone to ask because they just say it's a big crack. But right. it, it, these, these, these questions need to be asked. And, I, you know, you, you seem like a guy, I think we get along, because I play mind experiments with myself. And that's what I've done with your work, if I'm honest. I've looked at it. I've read the videos, I've watched the videos, and then I, I sit back and I, and I think, well, how can I, and it doesn't matter how I played in my head, these, these questions do need to be asked. There's, there's something larger at play here, you know, right. and, it, and it does actually, it does mate in with this weird ultra-terrestrial theory as well. It does mate in with this, you know, why is it now in 2021 that we're, we're real information is coming to the public about these craft that are disappearing into the ocean and and they've been around for a long time. Like these these theories are coming to light and they're being given more light because let's face it, John, they make more bloody sense than a boat with two by two animal animals and you know what I mean. Like the, all the 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 bullshit that we we were fed as far as our history and our story and everything else like that that never made sense. Whereas some of these, what would be considered fantastical ideas, do make sense and they do deserve their time um, to, to in the sun to be proven or disproven. You know, that, that's how we play it, you know. The Bible a couple of times and uh, I, got, I just got to make sure that uh, <clears throat> this gets said because the scriptures all around the world originally meant slightly different things than we are told they mean in other words absolutely absolutely yeah yeah i've seen that where you've got the translation like even just from the the english bibles where it's like it said this in 1800 then it said this then it said this then it said this you know right 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 so there's like uh there's a passage in king's king james uh, that says, uh, my, the, my mighty ones are coming from, from my call. Uh, but the real meaning is giants are coming, not mighty ones, giants. Mm. That's the original word, okay? Now, mm. there's another word that's really super important that's been mistranslated, and this, this Italian scholar, we come back to Italy again, Moro Biglino, M-A-U-R-O, Biglino, B-I-G-L-I-N-O, He's a Hebrew scholar. He's a Masoretic text uh, scholar. He's really specific. He, he went to the, the Hebrew version of the Bible, and he translated it for a Vatican publishing house, um, specifically for the Vatican publishing house, he translated it word for word. In other words, he didn't give it a translation like the King James Bible, which is poetic. Mm. He gave it, he was asked a literal to translation. A word word translation, mm. a literal translation of the Bible. What does this word mean? What does this word mean? How, what is the specific meaning of all these words? Well, he did that. He got fired because what <laughs> he found was, he got what he found was completely different from what what, what we're told the Bible says, which is mm. that Elohim, which is which is supposed to mean God, the yeah. great one God, right, does not mean God. It means many people, aka the gods. The gods, yeah. Irrespective, irrespective of whether it's plural, Elohim means many people, and mm. it's plural. But it also means many people specifically. So it's the gods throughout the Bible, never God, 
Mm. Only, always the gods, the people who were advanced, mm. who came and delivered wisdom and who delivered wrath. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the gods, and that can mean many different races. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be one race. And so yeah. it opens out. He found spaceships in there all through it. He got fired before he got done with the translation. But you can find more of Buglino's videos where he just sits in a classroom. He's talking to 10 people, and, he's, and he's, it's on video. So you can you have this incredible document, documented talk by a guy who knows what he's talking about and who is telling us that the scriptures were correct, but they've been mistranslated. Wow. And that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, mate. You know, I think, our, our, again, it comes back to the controlled narrative, you know, and I think the, the more and more we have conversations like this, the more and more, and look, the thing is, I, 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 and it's, it's, I haven't done it to a waitress, but I've done it to many people as well. Hey, 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 stop here. Listen, listen. There's megalithic structures all over the earth. There's symbols that <laughs> yeah. echo all over the earth. It's the same culture. There was, a, there was a sacred spiritual culture. We're all one. And, yeah, people look at you like you were crazy. But right. what we're doing there, what we're doing there, Jock, is we're planting seeds, man. You know, so, like, that waitress may have gone home and gone, that crazy guy, that's one of the crazier guys I've had today. However... In a month's time, she might start thinking about it and go, hey, maybe I should just have a bit of a look into this stuff. And then that opens up the rabbit hole for her, you know, and it opens up. And the thing is, I've had what I say to people, Jock, is that, listen, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. However, I bear no responsibility from where you end up in the rabbit hole if we start talking, okay? <laughs> I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm 10 miles deep. I don't have a torch. I don't know where I am, <laughs> but I wouldn't be anywhere else either. You know, I think if if we're if we're in this rabbit hole and we're, we're talking openly and honestly about these ideas, and as I said, yours has got weight. There's there's questions there that need to be answered, and you know maybe maybe that big silica spaceship that was hovering over the Earth seven hundred eighty thousand years ago was the three D printer. I don't know. Who knows? Like. Like, who knows? You don't know. Like, and, you know, one of the conclusions we came to with the, the ultra-terrestrial, you know, we called it what is truly out there last 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 week, was basically what if it's multiple? What if we are here on this planet with multiple races and we're just the silly surface dwellers and they still can't really figure out why we hang around on the surface because it's crazy um, and we got out of control, you know, basically, I think, you know, we... we we got out of control and, you know, maybe hopefully uh, with some guidance and openness and understanding, we can we can get to a point where we have understanding of our past. We have an understanding of how old we are and where we actually come from because I don't think we do at the moment. I don't, you know, we, we just, there's multiple theories, but I don't think we understand it right now. Well, the controllers are, are absolutely obsessed I think more than in any other realm uh, with making sure that our past is obscured. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, mate, let's, um, I think we, again, we could, we could talk forever. Uh, however, it's, it's late where you are and I do appreciate you, you staying up for us this time around. Uh, where did you want to finish, mate? Did you, have you got anything you wanted to finish on or is there a, yeah, a yeah. final topic? Um, yeah. Uh, Let's see if I can find 
Okay, this is this is the book I've been writing for a couple of years. Who built the Earth? The subtitle is an exploration of geological, geophysical, seismological, and astrophysical evidence for an Earth constructed by an advanced race or races in the distant past. Yeah. Now this is all premised on the idea that the Big Bang did not happen because for advanced races to build planets, need time. If if the Big Bang, if you need time to advance. So mm. so when we realize that science is telling us the Big Bang did not happen. Mm. That's what our science is telling us. The universities, the universities are not passing on the science. The universities no, no, no. are passing on. No, the, 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 fun, it was actually it was actually years cool ago. That, yeah, years ago, Jock, that the the math suggested that the Big Bang didn't actually really happen. Yeah, that, right. That, that's it's, yeah, it's if, been, if you pay attention. It's been at least 30 years, 30 mm. solid years. When And since then, professors have been getting fired for advancing evidence that, that, that there was no Big Bang. Mm. You, you can ridicule the, the, the people who uh, defund them. Uh, and there's all sorts of ways to make sure that the, uh, the general public doesn't hear from the academics who, who realize there are there was no Big Bang. Mm. Um, so little by little. So instead of having real professors to, telling us what's happening, we've got these TV scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Michio, Michio Kaku, mm. who are both total Big Bang fanatics. And it's mm. like, I mean, I'm a playwright. I could debate them and, sh and, and totally shut them down. And, and give me one hour, I could shut both of them down. They're both really smart dudes, but look, the science speaks. And mm. You don't have to be a genius. All you have to do is cite the science. You, mm -hmm. All you have to do is be someone who understands English, and you can show that the Big Bang did not happen according to science. Mm -hmm. So if the Big Bang did not happen, then advanced races did have the time to advance. They could build planets. It doesn't, doesn't say that they did, but they could build planets how would they do it your idea the 3d printing is the same idea i came up with just build a machine that prints that prints a planet you know how fast we have advanced in 3d printing just we're, we're just this silly distracted race yeah that's doing all sorts of frivolous stuff there's millions of girls on tiktok just doing nothing mm. and and yet the 3d printing uh industry has advanced from from zero in 50 years from zero to being able to print a house or a bridge. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Can, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable mm. what we've done in 50 years. Imagine having 50 million years or 50 billion years to advance 3d printing. Imagine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And I do think the timelines are out, mate. I do think, you know, if, <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know, the, and look, the giant thing is interesting. There, there is too much, we work here at Unlocking the Code, Jock, on a 1% on a rule, right? We take in all theories, we take in all perspectives, and then we go, what if 1% is true? <laughs> right. Because, you know, if you think about all the evidence of giants, and there's a lot of it, what if one it's, – it's, it's realistic to say that 1% of that is true. It's realistic to say mm -hmm. you, you could go to those big footprints and look at it and go, yeah, that's a big footprint, Right. If 1% is true, then the whole thing changes. And as we discussed right. earlier, we have no idea about the hominid record on this planet. No idea. We really don't, you know. And the, so many of these things that, that, you know, I mean, you know, through your work, you're questioning some very big things, Jock, and I love that because 
I know through my research that a lot of the stuff you're questioning is built on beds of sand anyway. So it needs to be questioned. We need to have the, the courage to look at these things and question them, you know. And I think, um, yeah, mate, look, I think we might leave it there. I know what you wanted yeah. to do. One of the things we discussed is that uh, in the next little while, look for the uh, – and I'll, as soon as you get your Patreon page up, mate, you let me know. Uh, I'm going to redo a Patreon page for uh, the Terraforming of Terror. That's the, the start of the Patreon page. I'm going to redo the Unlocking the Code Patreon page. Uh, look, the, the work that me and Jock both do takes a lot of time. We put a lot into it. However, it would be awesome if you guys could help us along the way and, you know, help us be part and contribute more. You know, the, it, obviously you think no one cares, Jock, stop paying your bills. Like, the, 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 unfortunately, in this, this 3D realm at the moment, we need uh, some funding. And uh, if people could help us out with that, that would be awesome. You know, my whole life, I've never, ever asked for help. I mean, this is this has been this sort of my mom is a full blood Swede and we, we have this Swedish sort of um, it's like you work hard and you don't ask for help. And that's yes. it. Absolutely. So um, I, <laughs> um, I'm to the point, literally in the last few weeks, I've gotten to the point where in my gut, it feels okay to ask for help. Mm. Um, having made so many videos, having been in the Bosnian pyramid complex for almost two years. Mm. And I feel like, I, th I feel like if I can get people to support my work um, uh, through Patreon, it's going to really, really, um, blossom and I, mm. I really am excited about it and I know that you also had said that you know you were you had uh, you're, you're not a person who asked for help no so I definitely think both not. of us have come at this at about the same time we're both realizing that it's okay to do that you know yeah absolutely man like I mean you know this podcast has been going for four years I think you're going to be episode 135 like I've done half a dozen field trips and you know all of that stuff and you know, I've taken people on the field trips with me and I, I sort all the stuff out and it's um, – and I don't ask for help. I, I am one of those guys that does everything for myself. However, in order to advance some of these things that we're talking about, in order to uh, do better quality work and all those sorts of things, uh, we, do need, we do need assistance. We do need help, you know, and if, and if that help came in someone – popular sharing our platform so it gets more exposure then that's helped too you know however any 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 assistance we can be given i think uh, we both believe that the work that we're doing is important you know hopefully one day you know we're, uh, when we when we get through the looking glass we can get together jock and as you say throw those prawns on the barbie and and uh, you can you can take me around Texas, and then maybe you can come to Australia, and we can go for a trip around there. You know, trip out the back here as well. Um, you know, and and I think I know you said you've taken people out, and that's something I want to do as well. Like I do want to, that's part of the Patreon stuff, where I'd love to get a bunch of supporters together and go on a field trip, come and have a look at some of this stuff. Let's you know, you don't have to take my word for it. Let's come and have a look. Let's do these sorts of things and. You know, um, yeah, I think asking for help is okay. It's, uh, it, it's not like we haven't put the time in. It's not like we haven't done the evidence. And I think, as you can tell from my rambling and your rambling, it's difficult for us to do this. <laughs> so, you know, I've had, a, um, I've had a fantasy since I was in Bosnia of starting a tour 
called the Ancients Were Crazy Tour because <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of work they did, let's say there is 100,000 plus uh, pyramids as semi-Rosmatagich posits uh, on our planet. Um, mm. The amount of work to, to make 100,000 plus pyramids plus the tunnel systems associated with those plus mm -hmm. the tumuli associated with those um, then you've got the possibility that the continents themselves were terraformed. Imagine the amount of work. So the ancients had to be crazy yeah. <laughs> uh, to put in yeah. that much work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I would call my, my tours, the ancients were crazy tour and just be, be like, look, how, look, look, look how much work they did and look how meticulous they were. They must mm. have been absolutely obsessed with doing a good job of making mm. a continent or doing a good job of making a pyramid or doing a good job of making a dolmen, just the endless features of the earth. Mm. Wow. It's mm. so amazing. So that, mm. that's what I'm always in. It's a constant state of amazement when I go out into the field and I want to, I, I feel like I, I want to bring that excitement to it because there's nobody else out there. It's only me. I've never seen a geologist in my thousand plus hours of field work. I've never seen geology students. I've never seen anybody except for private property owners in the distance going, Going, who's that guy in our creek bed um so you know i, I it's like i want to share this and the only way i can do it is through video there's no one else around it's just me out on the continent by myself <laughs> so I'm, the only way i can share it is through the video and i'm just trying to get those out as much as i can you know yeah yeah and look and just a, and just a, a a public appreciation for you putting redoing the last video as well uh, that that was awesome that you did that for me, mate, and I do really appreciate that. Uh, that's not a skill set that I have. It's one that I'm developing. Um, and listen, man, look, I, I, I love sitting down with you, and I think, you know, there's there's plenty more conversations to be had. Maybe next time we step away from the terraforming and megalith stuff and maybe oh, yeah. we... Maybe we step. Maybe we step into a into a consciousness realm, or or something along those lines. We'll have a think about it, and um, for the next time we talk, mate. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something special for you, Jock. So behind me, I've got three books, okay, and they're they're, yeah. war they're warrior wisdom books, okay. Now, over the years at the podcast, when we sit here in the refinery, we uh, we grab one of the books out. And we'd see what it has to say for us, okay? And some, and every time it's it's spookily accurate about what the conversation we've talked about. Um, I'm okay. just going to have to take the headphones off so I can reach them. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I said Warrior Wisdom, I thought that was the book. This is a guy called Bodie Sanders. He's an interesting cat. Uh, my wife got me these books a few years ago. They're very interesting. So I'm going to do... Algorand video, so no one can say I didn't do it. Close my eyes. Oh, that, that's the page. <laughs> okay. To know and to act are one and the same. Is that not what we're trying to do? We are trying to know and act. To know and to act are one and the same. And this one's interesting as well, mate. For opportunity knocks at your door just once, and in many cases you have to decide and to act quickly. I think, brother, that may be some personal messages for both of us. That might not be for listeners. That may be for us. However, yeah. You know, the animals um, act through their knowing and their knowing is a different knowing than we think of because we think of knowing as this conscious left brain 
uh, I learned this in school thing. Yeah. But the knowing that I think that the warrior wisdom book is talking about is is more of a instinctual knowing. Right. The, the mm. way the animals do it, because you, you, it's, it's like you never see an animal off balance. Mm-hmm. The animal always knows what to do from and within. Where it is. Yeah. Where it is, yeah, right? and takes and takes the next step. The cat takes the next step from within. He's he's not going. What should I do now? Mm. <laughs> no way. Mm. It's, it's from within every time. So he's acting through the, the the knowledge is being shown to us, manifesting through the action. We see how much he knows, and when he falls off a uh, off a roof, he spirals around and lands on his feet because he knows mm. exactly what to do. He, mm. No one taught him to do that. <laughs> no, 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 that's right, man. And look, I think if we if we stepped away from our hubris and, and access the inner, the inner animal inside of us all, we could act a little bit with more pure intent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely something to that. There's definitely something to that. I mean, the, the, a, plant, a plant knows to grow to the sun, and it never went to university. You know, we don't need the universities <laughs> right. to know what's real. <laughs> That's true, man. That's very true. Let's leave it there. That's perfect. Good on you, Jock. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Triffin. I really appreciate it. Talk soon, mate. Cheers. One, two.